Welcome back, everybody, to Movies for Win, the only movie podcast that considers the country bears to be high art. That's right. It is the only movie podcast that doesn't give you COVID. <laughs> this, the only? Oh, I'm not sure about that. The only movie podcast that compares Steven Spielberg to Uva Bowl. The only movie podcast that drops wrestling carny jargon despite no one asking. <laughs> the only movie podcast that all of our friends and family refer to as a podcast uh, <laughs> the only movie podcast bold enough to tell the truth about terminator 2 whether it fits your narrative or not that's right denny i think they got the gist of the podcast buddy it's movies for when welcome back everybody welcome um, back we missed you Sorry for the brief hiatus again. Um, hold on. Cheers to our return. Uh, I've got a, a cheers. I'm cheersing my fuzzy cup full of water and orange Mio. Yeah, his big plastic cup was already open, baby. <laughs> yep. Full disclosure, uh, I've had COVID for like two weeks and I'm on the back end of it, but uh, I have not wanted any alcohol in my system for a very long time now. So. <laughs> <sighs> Don't worry, the brain fog will keep me loose enough for this to be an entertaining episode regardless. We hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry about another break. Uh, season two is off to a sputtering start, but I feel like we've had true movies for win episodes just in terms of variety and ridiculousness of movie selection. Yes, um, <laughs> and we've got a few more coming down the pipe. Yeah, it's, it's not changing anytime soon, baby. Uh, this week we brought back one of our favorite things it was the user poll where you guys picked our third movie um i forgot about that it was so long ago yeah it's <laughs> just like that one band would say it's been a while i should know that one uh what what, what band is that i don't know they eh, i just heard that song a billion times on the it's radio it's been a while you know yeah. that one I was thinking uh, of a different It's Been a While, I think, but I don't know who sings either of them. So. God, we're so cool. So, <laughs> yeah, our our theme this week is movies for when you want to see a director's lesser-known work. Um, it took us both a while to come up with what director first we wanted to um, kind of target here, and then which of their movies we would consider lesser-known that we either want to tell the people about or, you know, maybe just want to highlight or see for the first time ourselves um then you want to tell them about the picks please yes um for let's see my pick this week was west craven's swamp thing from 1982 not west craven where do i know that name oh west craven uh the famous director of shocker 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you sure also, music of the heart. <laughs> um, some some hardcores know him from uh, the people under the stairs. Uh, well, that's really mostly casuals. I think the the hardcores know that he directed uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street, a Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors, um, and uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, his name's in the fucking title, and uh, also uh, Scream. Are, are they ever going to make a sequel to that one? I don't think so. I would like to see a second Scream movie, though. God, I I saw the second Scream movie, and it fucking blows, let me tell you. <laughs> Dude, on the off chance they ever get to, like, five, what if they just put a five instead of the S? Is that what they did? I didn't even fucking notice. I I think it might have been a fan thing. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe okay. just the posters. Dude, we know what we're doing here, guys. Don't worry. I, I hate that they called it fucking Scream, just five, like they did Instead Halloween. of five cream five cream yeah God. <laughs> um no i scream 2 sucks so much that i haven't seen the new scream despite my love of slashers and seeing them in theaters because mm -hmm. i'm not gonna do it without seeing three and four which i hear four is actually pretty decent but i'm just like dude i don't know if i want to sign up for more after scream 2 i fucking love scream 1 one of my favorite horror movies ever made um what were we doing Movies, movies that we're doing this yeah, week. Our selections. Um, the second one was Greg's pick. Um, you, like me, may know it as Incendies, but Greg has looked up how to actually say it in French. Greg, what's the movie called? Uh, from the director Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I have chosen Ensemble. Wait a minute. His name isn't Denis Villeneuve. No. Jesus. No, it is not. I'm, I will do all the talking for this segment. I'm so fucking um, uncultured. I'm sorry, world. I'm I sorry, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the super cultured one that definitely didn't look how to pronounce all of this uh, within the last two weeks on YouTube. Honestly, I'm glad you caught it before I called him Dennis Villanueva directing Incendies for two Dennis. hours. Like, <laughs> whose name? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he loves being called Dennis. <laughs> I, I, as a as someone named Dennis, I fucking hate being called Dennis. It must. Would be you a rather thing. be called Denny? <laughs> yes, because I can't can't tell the difference. Denny, oh, you're, oh, it's you, it's you all along. <laughs> Did you really just put that together <laughs> with Mr. Taylor Vanuve? You made this movie. Anyways, it was me. It was me. Um, yeah, Denny Villeneuve. You may have seen him most recently for uh, his. Uh, shut up. <laughs> His recent um, project, Dune. And he is also the director behind Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario, and Prisoners. I, uh, I forgot he did Arrival. That's so fucking yeah. good. I yeah, forgot he, that was uh, him. He lightened up a bit and got into sci-fi, and it was a treat. Uh, <laughs> but this is, this is one of those before-he-lightened-up movies. <laughs> Um, clearly <laughs> and then our third movie is the coen brothers the man who wasn't there from 2001 which the audience picked and that was a good call good call audience yeah good job uh i i think most of them picked it for the coen brothers name directors of the perfect movie uh no country for old men they also did the big lebowski fargo uh oh brother where art thou Hail Caesar, a, a serious man. 
etc the list goes on and we don't talk about the lady killers and we don't talk about the <laughs> they lady did not killers. make that movie <laughs> it's, far, it's, it's not canon it's my head canon that someone kidnapped them and impersonated them very well except in their work and no one noticed until the movie fucking blew <laughs> yeah we're uh joe and eric um corbin <laughs> we're here to make the movie Close that must enough. be the french pronunciation of cohen <laughs> Oh, All right, Corbins. get Dennis Villanueva on the phone. <laughs> He's collaborating with Hello, me. Ethan and Joel. I'm French-Canadian Dennis Villanueva. <laughs> I talk like this. Oh, uh, <laughs> speaking of our old pal Dennis, uh, we're going to... <laughs> We're going to start our episode with a real bummer on our hands <sighs> on Sunday. The 2020 2020 <laughs> film <laughs> from Denis Villeneuve. Um, the 2010 film from Denis Villeneuve. I'm not going to mock the French or the French Canadian. I'm not um, mocking the French. That was my best French accent, and I'm not ooh, joking. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> on Sunday, this was my pick. Uh, Denis Villeneuve's 2010 film. Uh, this is a movie that came out three years before his, um, I would say, his biggest theatrical release, Prisoners, the one that kind of brought him more into the spotlight. And if you haven't seen Prisoners, it is an incredibly upsetting movie that features several scenes of torture and has a character say the line, Making children disappear is the war we wage against God. And Ansandi is a more upsetting film than that one. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Prisoners. Um, holy shit, Ansandi is heavy. It's a, it's a very good one. But this is a very heavy film. Um, I do, I do want to give this one a little bit of the whiplash warning. Kind of the crux of this film is following along on a journey of discovery for um, the uh, twin children of a mother who recently passed. And our journey with their discovery, told through their eyes and told through uh, the eyes of their mother, is uh, very much worth following kind of blind. So you've got two reasons to skip this segment. If you're not interested in hearing some incredibly upsetting details about a movie um, that is <laughs> one of the most upsetting movies I've ever seen in a very heavy film, that's a good reason to skip this part. And also, I would say if you haven't seen the film, I would recommend uh, watching it first if you care at all about um, following along this emotional journey that I that I told you about that I kind of laid out. So I think it's worth um, skipping until you've seen it. Um, I don't otherwise... know. I don't know why on earth you would want to listen to this segment if you haven't seen it. Like, yeah, it's not like we're talking about like Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan where like, you know, like yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will one day, but um, I, I just can't imagine like spoilers notwithstanding. Right. Like um, uh -huh. uh, if it, not even about the spoilers, I can't imagine that there is anything for you in this segment if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe they've seen the play. I don't know. Oh, there's a play. Yeah, this is based on a play. Today wow. you learned. Greg, what is your relationship with this movie? Um, 
This is a movie, I think, when I saw Prisoners and then a couple years later when I saw Sicario, I started really diving into Villeneuve's um, filmography. Um, I hadn't seen his other previous films. Um, speaking of upsetting, the film before this was about a mass shooting. Um, I'm probably not going to watch that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I knew some of his history. Um some of the films he'd made before uh i just hadn't gotten around to watching them uh so that's kind of one of the main reasons i picked him for this episode i hmm i had not seen this movie before i decided to watch a part of the trailer to kind of familiarize myself with it mm -hmm. to kind of like finalize my decision and yeah landed on it decided it was worth watching um watched it um i think the day after i made the decision and then watched it again maybe three days ago Yay. i watched this movie twice Wait, for the you podcast. watched it twice yep holy shit i really felt like diving back into it holy which, shit yeah i told you how upsetting it was it took me a few days to realize i wanted to jump back in on it just to kind of like finalize some thoughts i had wow um so my relationship, I'm impressed. I'm I'm kind of taken aback by that. Um, you've never done that before for the podcast. Neither of nope. us has <laughs> like nope. a second viewing to let it sink in before mm. we speak publicly about it. Yeah, like that's I the really kind of movie to, like, this is. I wanted to nail down my thoughts on um, Night Screams, but my Amazon rental ran out. So <laughs> don't worry, it's free. Um, oh shit! <laughs> so, uh, God. I, as someone who has watched Night Screams twice, several years apart, <laughs> it does not get better the second time. <laughs> it gets significantly worse. Um, uh, my relationship with this movie is that I had never heard of it. Um, I have seen Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, and Dune. Um, I'd want to watch Arrival again, but I think I probably liked that best. Um, of the ones I'd seen. I'm a huge fan of Blade Runner 2049. Um, I deeply appreciated and respected Dune, but I didn't like it because mm -hmm. it's it wasn't made for me. It's it, it just wasn't my thing, and I was totally okay with that. You know, like, it was crazy well-done movie. Uh, not really a fan of it. Probably not going to see Dune 2, and it's just because, like, I found the subject matter kind of boring, and most people who, like whatever this isn't a fucking dune podcast anyway <laughs> yeah if, if you're a hardcore dune fan i am happy that i sound sarcastic i'm i'm being serious i'm sincerely mm -hmm. happy that after decades and decades of waiting you finally got an adaptation of that uh immensely popular book series that was uh catered to you and not idiots like me um so, yeah. <laughs> um, um no i'd never heard of uh how, how do you say this movie's title? On Sunday. On Sunday. I'd never heard of On Sunday. Um, didn't know anything about it. Wouldn't call myself like a hardcore Denny Vill... Oh my god. Let's never... What's his name? Just go Denny. Just say Denny. Denny Villeneuve. I'm Denny. That's going to confuse me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the, that's the joke. Um, anyways, fuck it. Long walk for a short drink of water. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, Basically, I watched the trailer 
and I saw that it was two hours and ten minutes long, and I was like, oh, god damn it, Greg. Like, you are going to make me watch the exact type of movie that I refuse to watch because it reminds me too much of being at work work um Mm -hmm. i'm a therapist for new listeners and i basically am extremely desensitized to most of this subject matter um i'm just adamant that i'm like i don't watch dramas i don't do it when i come home i uh i i need cyborgs my entertainment has to have cyborgs my my day-to-day is me being highly attuned to really deep trauma um and present and in the moment seven times a day five days a week like, mm-hmm. I, I want to watch fucking RoboCop when I come home. Um, and on top of all that, um, I watched this yesterday because uh, we were going to record last night, but we I ended up calling it off because I was still way sicker than I thought I was going to be. So on top of all that, I was very sick, having a lot of trouble focusing, um, having a lot of trouble giving a shit about anything. Um and super, super duper, unbelievably not in the mood for this movie. And I still thought it was incredible. Oh, okay, thank like, God. <laughs> that's that's what this movie had to work against for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, All it the was elements. <laughs> unbelievably. Like, I was just, uh, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Like, fantastic. And when it was starting off, I was ready to just say, like, I don't like this director. Uh, I like Blade Runner and Arrival, and I'm the guy that doesn't like him. I know he's popular and critically acclaimed, but I'm the guy who doesn't really care. And uh, now that's definitely not true. I'm I'm a fan of him, uh, but I can't say his name without insulting him. (laughs) (laughs) This is becoming very evident. Um, Yeah, dude. uh, We got to watch some of his other movies sometime. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll watch Enemy. That one's not as upsetting. I haven't. Kind uh, of I haven't seen Sicario. Been wanting to for a while. I'll, that is a um, masterclass in uh, tension building. Cool. Uh, I'll watch that with you. Yeah. I bought that a while back. <laughs> that's that's one of those that like I've wanted to see since it was in theaters, but it was never like high priority. And now it's been like I don't know what five or six years, and I'm just like God. I still want to watch Sicario, and I still yeah. haven't. <laughs> I only saw Arrival in theaters too. I, I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to run that one back as well. Me too. It's 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 been yeah since like soon after its release since I saw it. Um, like I think I have it, but I just haven't watched it again. Even mm. though I want to. Good stuff. I'm glad he pivoted to sci-fi and uh, being less of a um, downright bummer. <laughs> uh, yeah, diving into Ansandi, Um Hopefully, you've skipped if you don't care about spoilers, but. Have we even summarized the plot? No, Greg, summarize the plot. I have COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I not doing of, it. <laughs> I kind of reference it um, at the top of the intro there. Basically, a mother passes away and her twin son and daughter are given um, two envelopes that they are instructed to hand one to their father and the other one to their brother. There's handwritten notes inside. The problem is they thought their father was dead and they didn't know they had a brother. And uh, they they are living in French Canada and the sister 
kind of takes over as the main character and she takes a trip follows her mother's uh trace from after she had their brother and follows the birth records and everything to try to follow their mother's path i believe the country is lebanon during the lebanese civil war um following just a trail of anger and a trail of violence to find the identity and location of their father and the identity of the location of their brother that they did not know they had. It's a beautiful story that just really showcases a lot of Villeneuve's intimate um, character depth and hatred towards violence, I would say. Uh, I said it's a very upsetting and heavy movie, but following the the story as things become more clear, we kind of get a sense of the mother the mother character. We're kind of switching back and forth between the mother and then the daughter following her trace, and as more violence and as more abuse and as more um, hardships become clear. Um, I just think this movie has a beautiful ending that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I took, I took very few notes over this movie um, because first of all, it was subtitled and I was like, if I try to split my intent, if I try to split my attention, I'm just going to miss the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, how me discussing it goes <laughs> because I actually like watching movies better that way. I might do it more in the future. Um, just like notes free and just kind of experiencing it. Yeah. Um, I, I did it with another one of our movies for this episode too. We'll get into that. Yeah. Swamp thing was a real deep dive um, <laughs> into the swamp, baby. Um, I, I don't know where to begin with this movie though. Like I, I there's so much to unpack. Um, I think the first things that come to my mind uh, is is the violence. Yeah. Why don't we start there? Yeah, sure. Um, Villeneuve said has said in interviews before that he hates violence. Yeah. Um, and he also kind of says that for that reason, he has to lean all the way in on it. He wants to showcase the cold harshness of it. Yeah. And I feel like this is, you know, in Prisoners, there's violence, but it feels motivated and maybe understandable we're kind of left with this uneasiness of like we understand why it happened but it's hard to really justify those steps and using violence as a solution in this movie we're kind of brought violence is kind of brought forward through the eyes of the victims specifically it's Mm -hmm. told almost um it's shown almost exclusively through the eyes of victims yeah um which really makes us it doesn't he's he's very good about not glorifying uh violence but also not like over vilifying it the way he especially in this movie the way he portrays it seems so cold violence can be used and applied against anybody Anybody can do it to anybody for any reason. Mm-hmm. And this movie really like shows that and just leaves you feeling uncomfortable with like, we're just, 
it just is what it is yeah you know it's we're left with the feelings of the people we see that are left behind from acts of violence and we're just like uncomfortable with it and i think that's his intention fucking bone chilling man you know like as someone who i mean in real life i hate violence uh i quite enjoy pretend violence i grew up watching power rangers professional wrestling and playing mortal Kombat, and i've spent my adult life watching quentin tarantino and slasher movies fucking constantly (laughs) um and what's crazy about it is like for all the gory movies i watch i'm actually unbelievably squeamish um like super super duper unbelievably squeamish about real things um Mm -hmm. what i can just so easily separate it in my brain when like jason Voorhees slashes someone's throat and blood splatters everywhere and then he mutilates their intestines and rips their head off to me i can just my brain can for some reason separate that and be like dude it's just a cool movie effect. I'm impressed. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not grossed out. I'm impressed. Um, but if you like showed me a video of a knee surgery, I would like throw up and pass out. Like I'm so squeamish. <laughs> um, like that, even if it's like appropriate and medical, I like cannot handle it. Um, yeah. and so that's what was uh, really unique about this movie to me is that, the violence in it was not movie violence. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't look like violence looks in movies. It looked like how violence looks in real life. Um, Just in this incredibly unglorified, uh, just look at what happens in the world when ideologies lead people to just completely devalue the humanity of other people. Um, Mm -hmm. this This is what an ideology like that and a sincerely felt need that is um, preyed upon by an ideologue um, that uh, it it turns into just absolutely horrific atrocities. And uh, man, what really, really got me, man, was they, they did the one thing that is taboo in cinema, um, violence towards children uh a few times yeah multiple times and just we saw a little girl scream for her mom in terror run away and just get shot in the back of the head in cold blood Mm -hmm. oh fucking hell man yeah it's like i said heavy and upsetting um i all all of the violence that we do see is basically all on the mother's side of the story. We kind of go back in time to roughly the 70s uh, when the Civil War is taking place. And we follow along in her story. And then as she kind of leaves the region of the country, we cut to her daughter kind of on her trail trying to find the orphanage that that the mom left the brother at, that kind of thing. And she's going through all these all these settings that we've known as places of violence and places of abuse. And she's really not met with any sort of hostility. Like the brother and sister aren't met with violence of any sort, which I really like. Um, it, it seems like even the people that were there for that violence seem to have moved on from it. Yeah. And evolved, in, in evolved into different people. And 
there's a there's a part that I only noticed on my second walk th uh, watch through. Um, it's when the sister is phoning the twin brother. She finally arrives at their mom's village where she grew up, and from the mother's perspective, that village is where she was impregnated and her brothers killed the baby's father. It's where she gave birth by flashlight from her grandmother and was banished from the village and her name was stained and she was rejected from her family. That's the village we know so far. And then the sister comes to the same village, calls her brother and holds the phone just kind of into the peace and quiet and say listen to that and it's just this beautiful peaceful moment from a place that we just saw filled with violence and uh abuse and just finding beauty in that is something that in the sister's perspective you know could only be possible from what she knew and that scene is also right after the uh the attack where that little girl uh gets shot like denny had just talked about yeah man so. Whew. Whew. Um, where my mind's going now is just like touching on what you were saying about like the themes of how people who experienced all of this can be pretty much over it. Um, mm -hmm. Man, this really, I watched this at like a, a perfect time in my life and in just like my personal journey. Um, I would say like a huge focus of my process right now is learning what it means to like truly move on from something horrible um, to truly like to not just say I forgive you, but to like do your internal work for years and years and years until you are truly and sincerely over it. Um, and it is just like, it is just the best fucking feeling when you do that work and when you're done, when the work's done, man. And um, I just, this hit me so hard, just like the messages of of breaking chains and forgiving things that were unforgivable and still just like for no reason other than it is the only fucking way to make anything good ever come out of something horrible is to have compassion on someone who deserves none of it from you. You know, like I, I do believe that like everyone as a human is just deserving of compassion in general, but like, I'm not going to say that like abusers are deserving of compassion from their victims i will completely absolve any abuse victim from having compassion for their abuser if anything that compassion can kind of confuse an abuse victim you know like and uh, mitigate their own suffering um mm -hmm. and just seeing the like and it was paired with a fuck you you know <laughs> like it was with yeah. those, those closing messages but um i don't know man i've been uh I've just been trying to look for some sort of like I don't know I guess template or just general guidelines for like what the fuck you're supposed to do with your life and I've been really drawn towards ex existentialism um and one of the one of the like existentialist teachings that just hits home with me is that like um 
our role as humans is to break the chain of suffering. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we can do. Um, revenge, man, revenge is futile. And all it is, is a confession of unhealed pain. And I've got bad news for you. If you finally got that revenge you fantasized about, it would not fucking make you feel any better. Right? Like, and yeah. so the answer is to just break the chain of suffering and if someone pops off at you, instead of popping off back, you ask them how their day's going, right? Like, ask them if they're <laughs> upset, right? Like, even though that's more than is fair, right? Like, um, man, just those those two letters from uh, from the mother at the end, man. Oh, my God. Just the fucking... Yeah. I was in tears. Like, it just hit me so hard. It was so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll go ahead and say what the ending is for people that decided they don't care about spoilers or didn't feel like skipping, don't feel like watching the movie, whatever. Uh, We basically learned that um, in the mother's story, she was hired to assassinate a political leader for one of the factions in the Civil War in her country. Uh, she's then captured and sent to prison for 15 years and while she is in prison um, they bring in a soldier who is a professional at torture and he endlessly just rapes the mother and eventually she gets pregnant and it's revealed that the baby she had in prison was actually twins and it's the twins that we have been following on this journey and then the twins make this discovery they find the person that had hired her to perform the assassination and they learn from him that the soldier that um was raping her was actually her son that she had been forced to abandon finkel is einhorn and einhorn is finkel I don't get that. That's an Ace Ventura reference. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Horribly inappropriate at this moment. And in the movie. Is Denny Taylor. Oh uh, yeah. I have COVID um, and I'm barely present. I'm going to be honest. It happens. All right, we'll get through this, buddy. I know. So basically the the two letters, one is for the father of the twins, the other one is for the brother of the twins, and we find out that they are the same person. Each letter is contained um a message of what you did is horrible and disgusting i just want you to know that i survived and became a better person and then the letter to the man the same man who's also her son was just a letter of love and uh forgiveness and in a very emotionally heavy (laughs) scene he he reads these to himself (sighs) man and it it just seems like in this process not only did it like like essentially teach the audience a lesson about forgiveness and compassion to Mm -hmm. like just extreme commitment to those ideas right that you could forgive anything right like that is extreme commitment um yeah to that idea um I really love that, you know, like a, it eventually becomes a non-factor, but it's, it's a very big part of the beginning of the movie 
is that the kids, or at least the the male kid, um, fucking hates his mom. Um, yeah, and because she is just apparently we don't really see a lot of what their life was like with her um but apparently it has been a fucking living hell for him to be her son um and he is glad she's dead and he's finally at peace um and as they are learning her story they're gaining compassion for her and then they come to just like admire her as they should when that you know like when they learn all that she went through and that they were um, that they were products of rape and were born in a prison and stolen away. Um, they, you know, they, they learn what she sacrificed for them and why she was maybe just a little bit weird, you know, like uh, as they mm-hmm. would put it. Um, and by the end of the movie, they just like, they just have this reverence for her, you know, like it, it's so cool, man. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, it really does a lot to develop your compassion when you learn your mother has been through 20 plus years of absolute hell. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> trauma and just disgusting acts. And but, the, and she had like respect from like warlord torturers for being unbreakable. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they respected her. Um, yeah, cause they absolutely could not break her no matter what they did. Um, and she also assassinated a fucking leader of a, of a Christian terrorism movement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she assassinated him. Um, she's a fucking hero. Um, and mm-hmm. they, they never knew that about her. Um, and I loved, and I just thought it was so cool that you got this, like, john wick baba yaga reaction out of saying the woman who sings um Mm -hmm. in that movie that anytime they said that like every time they were like hey we're looking for this guy or this you know we're looking for this person and they'd be like hey how about you fuck off um and then someone with their their notary would be like um they're actually the children of the woman who sings and they were like and then they'd be like "Oh." oh the woman who sings these are her kids Mm-hmm. okay we'll take you right to the person you're looking for <laughs> like just this like john like again this clown they will want to talk to you yeah, yeah. john fucking wick stuff right <laughs> like so great man yeah it's it's amazing um i have a ton of notes on this but we've already spent a lot of time talking about all the like the story elements and just the emotional impact of it that i feel like a lot of my notes are about the filmmaking aspects and those kind of feel a little less important. Yeah, but the more we talk about this, not so... that, not that they're not fantastic though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like they are Exactly. If you've ever heard the phrase every frame a painting, it applies to this movie. <laughs> it's a good YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Man, it, it's everything we're saying we're we're just praising the characters and the uh, the story and the conclusion of this movie and we haven't even gotten to how well crafted this film is unbelievable uh, masterpiece it's, in, it's incredible how well made this is and this is like not the movie that got villeneuve like on the map this is three years before prisoners yeah and <laughs> it's still a long way off from making anything like 
really major. Well, and I'm I'm glad um, we did this episode with this theme because this is not the kind of movie that gets you on the map. No mm-hmm. one is going to watch this movie and then immediately go tell all their friends, "Oh my god, you have to see this." Yeah. <laughs> like it's not the kind right. of thing that travels through word of and, mouth, word of mouth. Yeah. I watched this and who boy, that's probably what they say. <laughs> I would only want to talk about it with someone like you that I trust very much to have a really deep personal conversation with. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't just be like shooting the shit at a bar with some like superficial friends and be like, oh, you know what movie I watched this week on Sunday? Like, oh, dude, you got to see it. (laughs) Let me tell you all about what it meant to me. I like it's it's not like a chatting it up kind of movie. Yeah, everyone's done quoting Step Brothers or whatever, and you're like, <laughs> the chain has been broken. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't see? Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, just trust us that if you do watch it, it is a uh, audio-visual masterpiece. Uh, Villeneuve is an incredible um, visual director, and I think his use of audio is also a uh, next-level expert. Did we I just become it. incest twins? Yup. Do you want to go do deep interpersonal work on forgiveness and compassion in the garage? Yup. Yup. Sorry. I got stuck on the quoting stepbrothers. Yeah. If you come to Lebanon, we'll have so much room for activities. Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. Trust us. We're trying to be lighthearted because that's way more fun. Greg, good um, fucking luck mitigating the audio pops of me laughing <laughs> i'm sorry doesn't matter that's what the people want oh. uh do we want to get into gimmicks you have anything final to kind of say about this one man you know i i honestly now that we're now that we're talking about it i'm like you know if i really wanted to talk about this movie in depth like like a podcaster would do Oh yeah. I need I need to go back and watch it again like you did because I needed once for the story and once now that I'm like oh I know the filmmaking was awesome and I just don't have much specific to say other than I really felt like I was trapped inside a burning bus. Um but oh my God. <laughs> like I felt yeah. like I was in there with them. Um but uh yeah, honestly, I'd want to go back and watch it again before really commenting on it. Um what really stuck with me is the narrative. So I, I think we're on the right train here, really. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, you want to get into gimmicks? What is our gimmick of the week, Denny? Gimmick of the week. The gimmick of what, the what week we is your favorite directorial directorial tell. Um, basically, what is a signature of the director that you're familiar with from their more famous work that uh, that popped up in this? And you're like, hey... I know it was you. Um, Greg, what is your favorite directorial tell from, I'm going to try to say it right once, Denis Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis yeah. Villeneuve. What is your favorite directorial tell of his in this movie? Um, There's like five in the opening scene. It's um just kind of a static scenery shot. And then another thing Villeneuve likes to do is just really, really slow camera movement. And we're basically opening on a scenery shot that pulls back and you realize you're in a building looking out the window. And then we kind of 
look over and it is a bunch of men with AK-47s shaving the heads of like boys between like 8 and 12 um, and you the scene is completely silent we're listening to a 10 year old Radiohead song um, the way you phrased it it sounds like a Radiohead recorded the song when they were 10 years old yeah it's a kids pop <laughs> Kids Bop cover of uh, You and Who's Army. And now we do what our parents told us. I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. God, I just I just confused Radiohead with Rage Against the Machine. You're so fucking special. What? I just confused Radiohead with Rage Against the Machine. That's how bad my brain fog is. I just did Killing in the Name of as Kids Bop. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We'll get through this together, buddy. But yeah, the just the camera movement, the slow motion, and then we just kind of end with the song climaxing and this crescendo hits and it's just like a the 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 kid we find out later is the brother slash rapist slash father just staring down the barrel of the lens uh while getting his head shaved by soldiers. And just something about the movement and like the closeness to that kid's face is just like it's all him uh it's great yeah um i have only seen the director's big budget sci-fis so i did not recognize any of his tells other than one and that is being really fucking long <laughs> That's, oh my god that's the only sig- I, I, i'm i'm not very familiar with his work this was this was your pick so i honestly that was the only thing that i saw in common with my from an uneducated standpoint uh between his other work in this movie <laughs> what was that uh that red letter media joke blade blade running time 2049 <laughs> yeah he doesn't like being less than two hours, people. Um, yeah. All right. Um, you have a favorite line? The chain for, uh, for this one. I didn't write it down. The only one I wrote down was it, it really at the beginning, which is uh, uh, the son kicking the car and being like, "I feel so fucking peaceful," um, <laughs> which was uh, honestly there really weren't a lot of powerhouse lines in this movie. Uh, the 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 dialogue is really not what sticks out to you when you watch it but i'm gonna go with um is, is this quote right the chain is broken yes god that you know just... how you know how i know it's right how because that's my favorite line also oh man. referencing the chain of anger um uh, there is a third letter that is written to the twins where the mother says now that you've um discovered what's happened um Here's why I kept it from you. Here's how much I love you. Here's what I want from you in the future. Um, I've told the person that you now know as your father that I forgive them. And I want you guys to carry on the legacy of breaking this chain of anger and violence. And it's one of the most emotionally powerful scenes in a movie we've seen in a very long time. Terrific. Great. Wonderful. Love it. Yep. Sweet. God, and that, that um, line just means so much to me. Just like personally you know like one of those times yeah. when like i don't know it seems like the movie knows you're going through something and has a message for you <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. that's what that felt like to me 
We did this one for you, Denny. I, I did have a runner-up. Uh, it wasn't really a line, but it was the... Uh, so the brother is the one that discovers that their father was the uh, the rapist in prison. Mm-hmm. And he kind of reveals it to the sister. And once she kind of puts it together, she just does... She has this gasp that is unlike anything I've ever seen any other actor do. And oh. it's, you just get this true sense of real shock and like oh it's it's incredible and the the way they uh told it in a very creative way too you know like instead of saying i just found out that god i'm about to say something horrible i was gonna reference arrested development um like you told me your father is you told me you told me brother was my brother and father is my father but father is my brother and brother is my father um Forgive my, forgive how, uh, I, 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 let me say this to listeners. Um, I really, uh, I really don't mean to be insensitive, like sincerely. There's lots of times on this podcast where I do mean to be insensitive because I think it's funny. Um, I don't want to be insensitive about incest, but I, I want you guys to know that I sometimes forget that, um, I'm insanely desensitized to these horrors. Like I'll, I'll be at a bar on Friday night and be like yeah i was just helping someone process incest for the first time two hours ago and now mm-hmm. i'm here hanging out with my buddies and they have no idea what that's you know like so if you ever want to hear the darkest humor you've heard in your life go to happy hour with a bunch of therapists i'm te- like i'm just i i, I, I listen to this podcast I, I just i often forget that like um even mentioning rape or suicide makes most people very, very uncomfortable for good reason. And mm-hmm. dude, I, I talk about rape and suicide with survivors all fucking day, every day. That's, you know, like, so I'm just, it doesn't affect me to bring it up, but I have reverence for the subject matter. And sometimes I do, I do make some really dark jokes <laughs> because I'm yeah. a little desensitized, but all that goes to say the creative way of, uh, one plus one equals two. One plus one can't possibly equal one. And I'm watching it being like, did I miss something? What the fuck's going on? And he just keeps repeating it. And then the gasp from his sister, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, and then I got it. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, my fucking God. Holy yeah. shit. <sighs> All right, Denny. Um, you want to put a critical score on this bad boy? Yes. Um. I was seriously considering giving it a 50 out of 50. Um, Part of my gut was just telling me no for some reason. And I think I've only got two, two very small critiques that didn't really bother me. One was uh, act two had a a slight lull, just a slight one, but there was a little Mm -hmm. bit of a lull. Um, And honestly, at the end of the day, they they told an insanely beautiful and powerful story that 5 million percent earned this. But let's not act like it wasn't a little contrived. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like so I gave it a I gave it a forty seven out of fifty. Okay. That's still That's like fair. top top um, tippy top marks for me. And yeah. Yeah, that's another one of those things we said it many times where like I just didn't care. Like I think I realized that like afterwards, but watching it I just I didn't mind whatsoever. And then even on like further reflection, I was like I don't care. They, the they emotion, the emotional impact. Yeah. They earned the right to do that in every way. I, I yeah, cared. Exactly. I cared a little. You didn't care at all. I cared a, a, just a, a, 
I, I flinched a little at it, you know? Yeah. Winced, winced just a tiny baby bit. There you go. Um, for me, I I kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time with the mother um, in, like, the modern times, just to kind of maybe not see her relationship with her son, but just kind of understand, you know, she's trying to find her son for all these years, and then she makes the realization of who he really is. Mm-hmm and sees him in person after mm-hmm. searching uh his whole life for him oh what a scene and... we didn't even talk about that scene holy fuck yeah <laughs> they'll watch it they'll understand yeah. um but then we don't really see what leads her to a heart of forgiveness in the days between that and then her death which feels like it might just just been like weeks later um yeah other than that you know i didn't really have too much bad to say about it i didn't mind it did feel like it was in terms of like narrative structure did feel a little bit like a play where we're like following the following a character and then following the next character kind of through the same uh thing christopher nolan should take a few notes on how to tell a story that takes place in two different times (laughs) And how to write um, a woman who has a personality trait other than having a kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm an adult in a Christopher Nolan movie. My characteristic is my spouse died. Um, <laughs> I'm tragic. Uh, but yeah, all that to say, my score for Ansandi is a 37 out of 40. Nice. Very nice. Very, very nice. I was, I was wondering if you were going to give it the... Uh, the 39 ski but all that goes to say um man as much as i really don't like long well that's not true i dislike long movies when they don't have a good reason to be long um this had a good reason to be long this Mm -hmm. this went two hours and 10 minutes and really not a second was wasted um dude i would be totally fine taking it up to three hours to incorporate some of that material you were talking about like i i I didn't even think about it but when you were saying it i was like oh i'd watch the fuck out of that (laughs) like you could absolutely add 40 more minutes to this movie with that in it um yeah man super cool i'm assuming we've seamless edited ourselves back in at this point uh sitting on my ass and talking about these movies is the most effort i've put into anything for about a week um and i feel like a mashed up bag of donkey dicks right now but i, I want to do this i want to keep going the show what? must go on we've got what? to give the people what they want well i'm gonna stretch your brain muscles a little further here and talk about Wes craven's 1982 film swamp thing you're ready to put forth a bunch more effort, <laughs> uh, Denny, my boy. Um, Swamp Thing, Wes Craven. What a guy. What a movie. How about all that? Uh, Denny, what's your relationship with the old Swamp Thing? Um, honestly, there's two There's two Wes Craven early works I've been wanting to watch. Uh, I just bit my cough drop. Um, there's two... Wes Craven early works I've been wanting to watch for years and just never get around to them. Um, they were Shocker and Swamp Thing, and I was really, I was, it was a nail biter picking one of them for this. Uh, so, n- not Music of the Heart? 
what the fuck oh you sent me that i don't know what the <laughs> f- never fucking heard of that one before meryl um, streep hater um i don't hate meryl streep no no uh, one hates meryl streep no one hates meryl streep. she's meryl streep you don't hate her um anyway i decided that uh this one sounded a little more interesting I don't know. So I picked it. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> ha ha ha. What a story, Mark. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, my relationship. Never saw it. I think I knew it was like a comic book. Um, if you had... When you said Swamp Thing, I was picturing like one of the classic Universal Monsters, right? Yeah. Like creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. I don't think I knew that this was an 80s Wes Craven film. I didn't know that at all. Um, I was like, oh, he did a Swamp Thing movie? And maybe there was one before. I don't know. I did zero research on this shit. <laughs> I'm going to check IMDb. I, I think he's... I do believe that DC, that uh, Swamp Thing is now DC property if I'm not mistaken, which would There's... make this one of the best comic book movies we've ever done on this podcast. Oh, shit. Have we done any other comic book movies? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there, There's not an older one, but there is a Swamp Thing Returns in 1989. Or, sorry, Return of the Swamp Thing. Oh, oh shit. Heather Locklear so is in it. Um, and oh, there's also yeah. a, a 1990 TV series and a 2019 TV series. I knew about the 2019 TV series, and I am terrified to watch it. And a 1992 video game. Oh, boy. Denny just got very excited. Uh, focus, Denny. Denny, focus. Sorry. Denny bot. That, that, You've got a... I am programmed to record this podcast. All right, Denny Swamp 3000. We need to talk about Swamp Thing. I feel like a Swamp Denny right now. You, you know? are a Swamp Thing. <laughs> You're so swampy. You're so mossy. Swamp thing. You are podcasting. You make everything. Movies. Damn it. Damn it. I was going to say oozing like the movie. So, yeah. This is your pick. Please summarize the plot. Make it like a 30 second plot summary. Yeah, no, this is actually the only movie this week that I took any notes over, and I'm really glad I did because. uh, because we canceled the episode last week it's been a long time since i watched it and i barely remembered it <laughs> so the notes were very helpful and it came back to me when i reviewed them um looks like we're in the same pontoon boat <laughs> um yeah the plot of the movie is that there is this woman who goes to do this research job in a swamp because yeah. <laughs> that's a thing in a repurposed church with a graveyard in front of it <laughs> where they're researching swamps. Um, this, uh, her, her, uh, superior at her job, uh, immediately begins sexually harassing her and she's very uncomfortable with it. Um, but then he makes a big discovery and she forgets all the sexual harassment and falls in love with him on the same day she met him right before wouldn't you know it his discovery goes wrong and he goes off and turns himself into a swamp thing um and then it turns out what are we some sort of swamp thing (laughs) (laughs) then it turns out that 
the person running the lab was killed a long time ago by this mob boss who wants whatever they're developing. And he literally does a fucking Scooby-Doo mask-off reveal to, <laughs> to show that he's been walking around impersonating their boss that they used to know, but he actually killed him a long time ago. And he's just been, like, hiding in plain sight amongst them. Uh... Anyway, they try to kill everyone and Swamp oh Thing God. runs away into the swamp and our protagonist female, uh, who shall remain nameless because I don't remember anyone's names in this oh, movie. It's it's a point that I'll make here in a second, but please continue. Uh, she gets away somehow. I don't even remember. Um, uh, run, runs. Ah, she runs away. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the storytelling device they used. Clever. Like, creative. Swamp, swamp Thing is helping her. She doesn't know it's her old boyfriend. Yeah. Sex, slash recent sexual harassment partner. Yeah, um, and she's, like, <clears throat> known him for half a day, and he gets turned into a Swamp Thing, but apparently she developed this, like, deep, deep love for him. Um... And then they reconcile, and then uh, through a weird series of events, the bad guy turns himself into this warthog monster that reminds me of a Power Rangers villain. I was thinking uh, Rampage. Oh, yeah, shit! No, that thing, yeah. yeah! But with a sword. How cool is that? Yeah. This movie rocks. Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking cool, man. Dude, um, any, anyone listening is like, wait, what's the fucking plot? <laughs> Anyone watching was also like that, so I don't know what else to tell you. Um, Probably a few of the actors. Too, oh, this is so. curing my COVID. I'm I'm feeling better. I actually, I actually just took Tylenol for my fever, but let's say it was Swamp Thing. No, I think it was Swamp Thing. Yeah, I think it was Swamp Thing. Tylenol wouldn't be working this fast. You got to um, be prescribed Swamp Thing, though. You can't just get it over the counter. Yeah. <laughs> um. God. What are um, you talking about? Anyways, um, they have a big dramatic RoboCop type of I can never be human moment where they conquer the villain but decide society would never understand their love or something stupid like that. And Swamp Thing uh, returns to the forest like Hannibal Lecter disappearing into the crowd. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the fucking movie. Yeah, uh, Denny, um, you know... Nailed it, but with a fly swatter. So <laughs> we we got there, bud. Um, yeah. So if you haven't seen this movie, I think it's like the same price to rent or purchase on Amazon Prime. So I own it now. Uh, <laughs> Good, because I want to watch it again. Come watch it with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, you could also probably find it in a bargain bin somewhere on DVD for roughly the same price. Surprisingly hard to come by. I uh, I went to oh. Movie Trading Co. looking for it. I was ready to I was ready to invest in the physical media for this, and they didn't have it. Yeah, damn. I would like some toys from this. Uh, yeah, oh, let's, let's shit. Time to get on eBay. Uh, this this episode has been brought to you by COVID. And um, <laughs> remember when you asked for that synopsis to be thirty seconds? Yeah, the five minutes ago. I sure do. Um, My wife needs yeah. a computer. She has work to do. What the fuck are we doing? Right, let's 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 get through something. <laughs> let's keep going. Um, Greg, let me just say that uh, nothing has reminded me of Kick Puncher more ever than this movie. <laughs> Great. Great job there, buddy. Just, um, 
Yeah, it kind of surprised me because I was really expecting like 80s horror, kind of like the reanimator type stuff. Um, right. And it really had much more of a 50s feel to it. <laughs> like this seems like a 50s sci-fi for most that's, of it. The, that's, that's what I thought it was before I saw it was an 80s Wes Craven film. Well, was, I assumed it was like a 50s thing because well, it was, it's, an, it's a 50s title with a 50s monster. It was a 50s sci-fi made in the 80s. There we go. That's all yeah. it was, right? Like, <laughs> Was it stuck with Jason in development hell or something? Like, yeah. Dude, speaking of Jason. No, we're not. We're talking about Swamp no, Thing. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm okay. going to talk about Swamp Thing because I don't okay. know if you noticed this, Greg. Um, mm. Harry Manfredini was the composer for Swamp Thing and Friday the 13th. I did um, not. And so we technically a had a... We had a Wes Craven, we had a Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th collaboration here. And if you have seen Friday the 13th Part 1 more than once, you would know that Harry Manfredini used the exact same score for the entire movie. Um, it is a real Gladiator Pirates of the Caribbean situation. Like, the Friday the 13th, <laughs> like, basically everything other than ch ch ah, 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 mm -hmm. is all over this movie. And yeah... Friday the 13th soundtrack is on my Halloween playlist that I listen to all through October and on rough days throughout the year because um, it cheers me up. And so I know that score pretty well. And dude, just the whole fucking movie. It's the Friday the 13th score. Like, and then he goes on to rip off the Star Wars score at some point, too. He dude. <laughs> he really... Go ahead, go ahead. When, like, Swamp Thing and the female protagonist are uh, are having, like... A moment of discovery it's just like fucking luke and leia looking off at the sunset or something <laughs> at the end of star wars like it's unbelievable how much music uh the great harry manfredini chose to phone in for this movie <laughs> dude um it also borrowed from Star Wars with its ridiculous like screen transitions. Yes, where we get like a a black a fade to black, but like screen wipe in like a star shape and like at an angle. This one's a circle. It's so funny. If you told My... me that the closest we'd ever come to breaking our we don't do Star Wars rule is watching Swamp Thing, yeah, <laughs> it would have been a very confusing statement for me. <laughs> like, wait, what? No. <laughs> Uh, my favorite one, it, they do like a uh, swamp slime, top top of the screen to bottom of the screen. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Wipe to black. It's so funny. That was so um, awesome. I want to lend you a hand here real quick. Okay. The female protagonist, her name is Cable. Cable? Like Deadpool? Cable. Deadpool's villain? C Cable. Like, Cable? Like, like television. Like, I don't know how to hear more about cables <laughs> I can't wait know. what is her job <laughs> it's cable what is her name just cable <laughs> oh swamp thing got my tables all dirty <laughs> swamp thing got cable so all dirty. <laughs> and there is uh there's your weekly i think you should leave reference for our astute yeah. listeners at home <laughs> we worked it in um it's kind of, Cable sounds like a character from, like, a shitty Alien sequel. No, it's a character person. from fucking Deadpool. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the only person named Cable ever. Cable, no, you're there, right. There's no such name as Cable. No, I know that, especially not for, like, professional scientists or whatever she does. I don't know her job. Cable? 
Um, God, I. Uh... But, but yeah, like there, she she runs into a kid later while she's escaping. She like, she runs into a uh, convenience store and like the kid of the owner or whatever is like working the counter, and it's a young black kid and his name is Jude. Why didn't they switch those names? <laughs> Because they because the, they don't really see the world through that lens, okay, Greg? Name, name the oh naming <laughs> human beings. They don't see the world through that lens. Why's the young My black bad. kid got to be named Cable? I get Jude I would be. They could have they could have made him like into like a computer nerd, and then he's like into you know tech stuff. So they call hit my friends call me Cable because I'm you know okay that works. And then her name is Jude because that's a woman's name, and it makes sense. That does make sense. But again, did I did I overthink this, Denny? No, but I'm yeah. just saying Swamp Thing doesn't see the world through those absolute roles that a lot of us still see it. <laughs> it doesn't okay. limit people by who can be named Cable and who can be named Jude. And by the way, I just looked it up on IMDb. The character's Cable, the character Cable's full name. First name oh. is... Wait, Pre C Cable Arini or something? No, uh, the first name is Premium, the middle name is Digital. <laughs> <laughs> and her dad's name is Comcast! <laughs> oh. You, you had me going for a second there. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Oh man. Swamp thing. Da -da, da -da -da. You make me Dude. use things. I wanted to uh I, I have to do a second I think you should leave reference, uh, because you mentioned the Scooby Doo reveal of the mask. First of all, it's funny that the main villain like tears off a rubber mask and he's been like a different character for twenty minutes. <laughs> But he like he reveals himself, but the audience we don't know who that is. Yeah, I didn't even. We don't know who it's, he's revealing. It's just like, oh, it's a different guy, I guess. And he's like, actually, I'm the villain. It's That's like, the oh, twist. Well, I guess he's the, I'm a whole different I, guy. The tr the yeah, exactly the trick is it's a different guy in here. It was all just an elaborate prank. He had too much shit on him. All right, I want you to go over to that table and knock the ooze over. The swamp kills. There's too much fucking swamp on me. <laughs> the swamp kills? <laughs> yes, it does kill! It does! <laughs> okay, now Ooh. I want you to shoot all the survivors in the back of the head. What does that do for the greater good? <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting. Um, <laughs> you said you wanted to steal the swamp thing formula. I said I thought it was interesting. We've referenced this skit like three times on this podcast because it rules. Um... Yeah, um, I, I, as much as we're talking shit, I kind of like this villain a lot. I think he's really interesting and kind of cool. He has like a cool mansion with fun dinner parties and yeah. he's like so willing to just, he's like this brilliant scientist, but he's like, if I chug this magic ooze, it's going to fuck me up real good. And I can't wait to see what happens. Dude, things went eyes Very wide incredible. shut real fucking fast when we got to his house. Um, <laughs> like, And, uh, you know, that whole scene where there's a bunch of naked people in a mansion and then there's this meathead who... Uh, were, were there naked people in the mansion? No. Wait, really? 
Were you watching Eyes Wide Shut? No, not Eyes Wide Shut, Swamp Thing. I know, like, did you switch DVDs or something? I don't know. They weren't naked, Danny, <laughs> but it was just a dinner party. There there were some naked people in this movie. I guess we're going to have to watch again. It was a Good Cable thing you that actually it. got naked. Our protagonist got uh, naked. Maybe that's... Maybe I watched some other movie where there was unexpected naked people in a mansion. Anyways, we go to the dinner party. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Once we got to know this villain more and his weird experiments and also turning that fucking meathead into a little weird thingy, it, mm -hmm. it really made up for a lot of sins of exploring the human side of Swamp Thing. Um, I was pretty fucking done with the movie until we got to the villain's mansion because there was some really boring, heavy-handed, melodramatic horseshit of, like, mm -hmm. what is my nature? I can't... I... <laughs> Remember when he was, like, wailing to the skies and asking God why he was cursed because he couldn't pour beakers with his swamp hands and just kept breaking them? <laughs> Um, I'll let you guys know this is the happiest I've seen Denny all year. Um, oh, I had I had two things here. Uh, one, the nudity I just mentioned from our main character. She's naked because she is uh, bathing in a swamp. I never even thought about that. Do you know why? It's like frog piss and just, just mulch and gator shit. Do you know why I never even thought about Opens where she was course. bathing? Why? Because a couple minutes earlier, as as she was starting to kind of connect with Swamp Thing and realize that he was her uh, not even lover, her very passionate crush for like 20 minutes um, mm -hmm. <laughs> before tragedy struck. Um, it's because I, in my head, I was just like, all right, if... If if she doesn't shape of water swamp thing, <laughs> I am not gonna stop writing letters to Guillermo del Toro until he remakes this movie. If she doesn't fucking shape of water him, and we saw her get naked, we saw Swamp Thing watching her, we saw her realize Swamp Thing was watching her, and then as romantic music played, we just kind of faded out, and I was like referee touchdown hands in the air i was like it's good it counts it counts <laughs> shape of water <laughs> they did it shape of swamp thing would have been so cool man <laughs> oh dude okay there's something that i really actually seriously love like one of my favorite things in filmmaking ever that i actually want to talk about mm -hmm. and it is called you know what Fuck it. I'm saving it for gimmicks. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, okay. Dump yeah. it. Uh, Dump it. <laughs> Dump it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll fix it in post. Um, no, don't fix it yeah. in post. Just leave it in, but I'm going to get to my, it later. One of my favorite things uh, was the complete neglect for onset safety because it was the 80s and having a dude just... So Swamp Thing comes in contact with the goo that he's created and during the destruction of his lab from the weird militia or whatever he he catches fire and he is fully engulfed in flames and runs and jumps into the swamp to uh put the fire out and just the guy <laughs> making so like fucking funny 
A fucking 50-yard run from the lab to the swamp fully on fire is one of the coolest things I've ever seen on film. I will also never not laugh at someone on fire sprinting with their arms in the air. Like, it's just the funniest Ah. fucking thing you can see. Um. You're like, I guess that guy's that stunt double safe. I sure hope so. Oh, my God. Um, Dude, between this and... The thing from another world. Apparently, there is a, a very serious cultural fear of aggressive vegetables. <laughs> Dude, I made the same note. Yes. <laughs> Not in those words, but you know, I I drew the same comparison. Oh my god! Even to the point, one of the most unintentionally funny moments was uh, the line where uh, the villain goes, "The work with DNA I expected." But the combining of plant and animal? Astonishing. Well, I thought he said planet and animal, and I was like, wait till you meet Cable. She's got a channel for you. (laughs) (laughs) I legitimately thought he said, like, how could they combine planet and animal? Like some sort of animal planet? Is there a market for that? Would people uh, watch t- it? Zoo books? Anyone? Wait till he tunes into Swamp Week. Um. <laughs> Can I tell you one of the biggest disappointments of my life? Uh, yeah. I was I was flipping through um, the uh, the cable channels, and I saw this show called Swamp People, and I was like, "Let's fucking go!" And oh, I was no. so disappointed when I found it's out... It's just Cajuns. It's just people that hang out in a swamp. I thought it was going to be, like, Swamp Thing as it's... a reality show. <laughs> like, I legitimately 100% and just, like, pure... Just believing the world is whimsical for a moment. I was like, no way, they found swamp people and they brought cameras? Oh, my... Oh. And then oh. you realize it's just a show about, like real life americans that speak normal english but still need subtitles <laughs> <laughs> truly upsetting yeah they wrestled some alligators though that was pretty sweet i never watched That's it again awesome. i was disappointed um <sighs> yeah you got burned once already yeah uh man swamp thing though how about those boat explosions i <laughs> love them <laughs> I don't physically understand them, but I love them. <laughs> so fucking, I have it, no idea why they would have exploded like that. Weren't <laughs> they like, weren't they like fan powered like boats too? So they they didn't have like a huge gas tank or anything. And neither has passengers in it. They just crashed two empty boats into each other and fucking blew them up for this movie. <laughs> so fucking I mean, awesome. It works for Face Off. It works for this too, man. Ugh. Um. I see where they got the uh, Groot idea. So Swamp Thing loses an arm. And Swamp Thing loses an arm and sticks uh, his face into the sunlight in his little prison cell in the villain mansion. And his arm starts growing back and it just looks like a bunch of twigs and looks like Groot. And it's very funny. We are Dude. Swamp Thing. We are Swamp Thing. Cells <laughs> billion dollars worth of merchandise um so you mentioned that one of the meatheads gets turned into a little person 
and it's very very weird so we find out that if you consume the ooze it turns you into the essence of yourself basically it just like turns you it hypes up whatever you are as a person and you become that mm -hmm. so our character Bruno Cause that's, cause got, that's science that's how that's what, science that's works. what science is there's a formula yeah, that turns you into your true self your 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 personality traits are just chemicals uh <laughs> So the char the meathead character named Bruno gets turned into Gollum, and then they do a song where they say, "We don't talk about Smeagol." <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing, but I laughed. Touchdown, baby! <laughs> I don't know what the someone fuck got you're that talking about. <laughs> Encanto. We don't talk about oh, Bruno. I haven't seen Encanto yet. So the character yet. Bruno gets turned into Gollum. We don't talk about Smeagol. Uh, I'm fucking hilarious. Over, over my head, but I, I do plan to see Encanto. I've heard it's very good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't like it. You've told me you don't like no, it. No, 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 no. We'll 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 get there later. Um, I want to talk about movies here yeah. in a little while. Um, um, this was the most philosophical villain since the Night Screams bad guy. Um, That's weirdly true. <laughs> really reminded me of him just waxing poetic all the time. And, <laughs> dude, all I've got to say, I don't, I didn't think of a Deus Ex tunnel or Deus Ex pun for this, but oh man, I haven't seen Swamp, swamp in a... I haven't seen such a useful secret dungeon with a swamp tunnel since Mario sixty four. <laughs> Let me tell you. Kayla's uh. <laughs> like, wait a second. Do 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 do. I couldn't believe that they're in this fucking like literal like. They're in a mansion, and then the it has this, like, medieval castle dungeon under it that just happens to have an escape tunnel into a fucking swamp. <laughs> never know when you might need it. <laughs> Why is that there? Who, in know, who installed that? <laughs> is that an amenity? <laughs> we don't know what, you know, life was like back then. Maybe they needed their swamp tunnels. In 1982? I guess. Well, you know, the house is older than that. In 1978? <laughs> okay, maybe a touch older than that. But yeah, it, it's a medieval house because, you know, the main villain drinks the goo to turn into his most extreme, rad, twisted self. And we mentioned he becomes like a Thundercats monster. And then he pulls a sword off the wall, so he's got a sword now. Sword of Omens. Give me swamp beyond swamp. <laughs> Goddamn. Excaligator. Am I right, folks? <laughs> oh, my God. We've got an early contender sucks. for next year. No, this is <laughs> this is our fucking best episode. And talk about a gear change from you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Since we're in full on stupid mode, I'm just gonna call it Incendies by Dennis Villanueva. Um and just this is an early contender for the twenty twenty movies for when Hall of Fame Swamp Thing is. Let me tell you, brother. Let me but, tell yeah, you. Yeah, thanks to Wes Wesley Cravon. Uh <laughs> Les Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just popped myself by saying lay swamp <laughs> self pop Denny, over here brother brother I'm over Denny, you're a treasure um, hey Greg hey hey Greg I'm over here hey, hey I'm over here 
Oh yeah, well I'm over everywhere, brother. Oh, got him. I hate this. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we're we're kind of done with like the movie itself, right? Um, uh, yeah, kind of a Let's... kind of a weird. 80s monster slash slasher kind of flick. He was more really of a bonker of than a slasher. He bonked, <laughs> he bonked a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of boops. Swamp a hands. A lot of boinks. Swamp hands. Swamp hands. Can't hold a beaker, I got swamp hands. That's Troy Barnes doing feet hands. <laughs> For those curious. Uh, Denny, if you consumed this slime... What would you turn into, and could you really handle being a real-life Sweetums? <laughs> you know what? Only if I uh, had a friend who drank some slime and turned into a real-life Waluigi to keep me company. I think that's the only way I could deal with it. Buddy, I've got news for you. Bunny! Where's wow. the bunny? Kermit! Wow! Uh, <laughs> Sweetums has a ping pong paddle, so I got that going for me. Waluigi has a tennis racket in oh, several games. God, see, I'm gonna win. Oh. Waluigi was introduced in Mario Tennis. Did you know that? I think I did. Yeah, because yeah. I had it. I had that game. I remember when I met Waluigi, and I had no idea I'd go on to record a podcast with him. Yeah, I was about to say at Colby's house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. All right. I think we're done with the movie. Then you want to get, get into the some fuck out here? of dodge while we're ahead. <laughs> Are we ahead? Uh, we're that ahead. that 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 swamp ship has more than sailed, buddy. No, we're ships not don't anymore. sail in swamps. They explode for no reason, Greg. And that's exactly <laughs> what this segment did. <laughs> it exploded for no reason, and there's no one listening just like there was no one in those boats. It's a perfect metaphor. <sighs> Wow, I, they had so much fun with Swamp Thing, I'm going to go watch on Sunday so I can listen to the first segment. Oh, shit. <laughs> what a bummer. This is what this podcast is all about, folks. Um, Greg, what's... Uh, Denny, what is your favorite directorial tell from Was Le Cravon... <laughs> uh swamp, Le Swamp Thing? <laughs> it's, um, this is what I was saving for gimmicks. Um... This is I'm gonna I'm gonna try to collect myself because this actually is something I, I sincerely <gasps> <All right. laughs> love and I every time I use this term no one knows what I'm talking about so I'm gonna define it because this is a great example of it. Fair. The new line feel, meaning although this movie was not. Can you get that at Mattress Giant? Sorry. That new line feel. Line feel it's only mattress. <laughs> giant. No, it's um. Uh, this I actually looked it up because I, I assumed. Because of the the new line feel, sponsor us mattress mm -hmm. giant and new line cinema, um, and mattress. We'll, we'll tell you what to do with for. all that Freddie and Jason IP. You can't figure out what the mattress fuck giant. to do with. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, so the new line feel is movies that are reminiscent of early new line cinema releases, which this is not one, but I was almost sure it was because they had the feel. Um, and I think it's because uh, Wes Craven directed it. Um, but uh, basically, it's darkly lit building industrial set pieces with some really sharp and somewhat unnatural lighting in the background. Um, mm -hmm. I'm talking Mortal Kombat. Excuse me. 
Um, I'm talking live action Ninja Turtles. I'm talking a Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are three prime mm-hmm. examples of the new line feel, and it's something I love. Um, man, let me tell you, those lab scenes and right after the transformation into the swamp thing, when we've got like um, glowing green liquid in a beaker, in an Erlenmeyer flask, as they call it in 10th grade chemistry, I broke one and had to pay for it. And that's why I remember the name. Because my swamp <laughs> hands couldn't hold it, and um, why, God, why? why? <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, there was just oh, I was I was in awe. I was I was I was a swooning when uh, we've got all that green smoke coming out of nowhere when they're looking at the mm-hmm. at the swamp. When mm-hmm. we've got like a burning building with green lights coming out of the windows and. Just yes. all of that atmosphere, um, and that is very, very, uh, very early Wes Craven. That's uh, not only is it the New Line feel, but I'd say part of the reason it's synonymous with New Line is because they were taking uh, a lot of risk on making weird movies that no one else would make when they were starting out. And uh, Wes Craven had quite a few in the chamber, <laughs> so he had a good relationship Oof. with New Line. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite directorial tell and something that I like that like I was really like this is this is my kind of filmmaking. Like for all the ridiculousness in it and don't get me wrong, that wasn't like high art. That was campy ass, unmotivated lighting ass comic book looking shit, but I loved it. I loved every second mm-hmm. of it. So that's that's it. Excellent choice, my guy. Um I, I when I think of Wes Craven, I think of more of like um, putting kind of a fun twist on like an established horror kind of idea. Yeah. It's like uh, Scream kind of being a more meta slasher flick that's self-aware, just kind of like having a different take on an established kind of horror idea. And for me, I think that having what feels like an and what I previously thought was like an old 50s monster movie where the monster is really just a good guy i feel like that's kind of that's the kind of movie that wes craven would kind of make yeah um and then just i think it's slightly that but i would also say just what you're talking about the campiness of it all Mm -hmm. is just like it almost feels tongue-in-cheek like yeah we know we're making this weird crazy 80s thing who cares i'm wes wesley cravon and i'm here <laughs> to, yeah. to share my art yeah it's campy as hell enjoyable super fun uh what's your favorite line my favorite line was when there is a dude flying through the air in slow-mo <gasps> and saying oh, oh shit Shit. Denny, we've done it again, yes! buddy. But Come it on, was baby. It was only my runner up. Okay, okay. What's your fave? Uh my yeah, my runner up was I wrote shit being flung off the boat in slow-mo. It was great. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite line is from the main villain uh where he's talking about uh talent and genius uh referring to the scientists and the our villain says talent only does what it can genius does 
what it must. It is master of man, power, absolute. Damn. And I feel like that really speaks to our cosmic calling to talk about cats and Wild Wild West on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I where, think so too. Uh, genius just does what it has to do. You know what? Which sorry go ahead excuse me which is which is why we're discussing swamp thing on the internet together i'm gonna have twins and write them a letter and give it to them after i die and that's gonna be the last line i just got to figure out how to live a life that works it into a story <laughs> <laughs> can i give a runner up very well then yeah sure <laughs> At one point, someone said, is Swamp Thing like some sort of abdominal snowman? And they didn't acknowledge it, so I'm not sure if, like, the character was supposed to sound stupid, or if actor and or writer actually fucked up and called the abominable snowman the abdominal snowman. That's... <laughs> I'm completely unsure. That's incredible. Either way, I liked it. I don't, <laughs> it made me I don't know. Um... What's your what's your critic score, Gregoru? <sighs> it's campy fun. It's good stuff. I had a great time. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about it. I gave Swamp Thing a twenty-seven out of forty. Hmm. Very nice. Uh, same ballpark. Uh, very similar numbers, but on a different scale. I gave it a twenty-eight out of fifty. Yeah, pretty good. It is. If, if they, I, I'll say this. I had so much fun with it. If they hadn't, something we barely touched on, which was actually a huge, boring-ass part of the movie, was, like, exploring the human humanity of Swamp Thing and his dilemma of how he has the same mind but a different body and he doesn't know his place in the world. And if that right. wasn't so fucking boring and lame, I would have fucking passed this shit show. I would have given it a passing grade. Like, that's, that's right. how much fun the fun was. Um, I did have to fail it because uh, we, we, really, uh, we really focused on the highlights, but there was, there was a real fucking boring stretch and a lot of, uh, a lot of just really lame, sappy-ass shit in this stupid no, fucking movie, fine. too. We didn't even get into how fucking horrible the Swamp Thing's costume was in that movie. Dude, I was like, they did better eyes in Frankenstein. Dude, uh, <laughs> I was just like, you have a perfect excuse to throw a whole bunch of moss all over this and hide the fact that it's a dumb rubber bodysuit. Why <laughs> Why won't you put moss on it? <laughs> it, had, it had the same fucking hands as Britta's T-Rex costume. <laughs> I just realized that. Welcome back from <laughs> Movies for When. I want the world to hear that Swamp Thing talk we just had. Seamless edit. The laughs go on, buddy. I would like the record to show that... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I have made an attempt to find my center despite being slap happy, running a fever, and sweating through my clothes while sitting on my ass and talking. Um, I should get... <sighs> covid more often because i think i'm my best self when i'm recording a podcast with covid um yeah man yeah you are <laughs> i agree with this <sighs> and my dog came to see me hi 11 what a good girl uh yeah you, we'll we'll get you more covid for next episode buddy it's all right i'm almost out I, I i'm fucking, almost out of covid I fucking hope i'm almost out had this thing for two fucking weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was worth it for this episode. 
Anyways. I, um, I really did not think I would be overexerting myself by talking. <laughs> apparently, yeah. this is the most I've said for a long time, and apparently it takes a lot more energy to speak than I previously gave myself credit for. Have you ever realized how many words there are? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's tough, dude. Um, yeah, while, while you had COVID, yeah, I, I was missing you. I missed you, too. Um, I, I had, you know, I watched these movies anticipating to record last week, and then, you know, you weren't able to. So I watched, like, six other movies Oh, dude. Since, <laughs> since last week. So I think that's one of the other reasons I had to rewatch on Sunday. I actually, um, I, could I, could I give, I wanted to give the listeners a rundown of what I watched during COVID. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do similar. Um, what am I, where's my, I, I have a, I have a list of all the dates I watched movies, um, uh, because I want to put them on my letterboxed. So in addition to watching, um, Saturday morning, All Star Hits, which is a fantastic Netflix show, and Beef House, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is uh, <laughs> Tim and Eric made a five camera sitcom, and it's on Hulu. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I've had a weird watch list this two weeks, starting with Swamp Thing, They Came Together, Wanderlust. You watched it. Yeah, yes. it's really good too. It's so funny. It's really good. Oh, you've seen it. I, I was Joseph recommended it to us. I didn't know yeah. if you'd seen it. I think okay. I had I watched it when it was like new. I really liked it. Yeah. And then that made me want to watch more of the Michael Showalter David Wayne works. Uh so I watched Wanderlust, which was also good. Then I bought on eBay a DVD of their movie The Tin, which is the Wet Hot American Summer Cruise take on the Ten Commandments. Um, it's an anthology. Um, it's sitting in my living room. I haven't watched it yet. Then I watched A Mighty Wind. Um, I watched Beanie Mania. Um, yeah. I liked that. Um, I watched My Octopus Teacher, which is an Academy Award winning documentary about a man who became friends with an octopus because he was such a shitty father. Um, then I watched Rewind This, which I fucking don't even remember i think it was a documentary about uh vhs culture yeah vhs tape trading culture that's right yeah i thought it was a sequel to be kind rewind (laughs) it's a prequel or something be mean rewind this (laughs) then i watched horse girl which i cannot recommend enough it's an alice and brie uh i don't even know what to call it oh yeah yeah Uh, i know which one i guess a horror kind of a surrealist type of movie it fucking rules um, then I watched The Man Who Wasn't There, and then uh, Ensemble Days. Um, so it has been a weird, a weird... And I watched a lot of uh, 80s and 90s commercial compilations in between, because that's what I do. Um, I, I watched one of those videos, and I loved it. It made me very happy. Yeah, it's great. Um, I had a similar run of movies. Um, I watched The Stand-In, which isn't even worth talking about. On Netflix, uh, it's a pretty new one. The Alpinist, which is a documentary about a uh, a free climber from Canada, really really good. Mm-hmm. Watched on Sunday twice. I watched Encanto, which mm. is visually one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's absolutely gorgeous, but Lin Manuel Miranda can't get out of his own way. It's just <laughs> five shades too corny for me, but. <laughs> 
you know yeah. that was still a, it was still a good movie and alexander watched, hamilton he was I don't a hamilton sh- sh- such I don't... a fucking hamilton he's a big hamilton those could be the real lyrics. I wouldn't know. That's uh, uh, my friend Willis insists that those are the only lyrics to any of the songs. <laughs> probably so. It sounds more enjoyable than what I've heard otherwise. Uh, then I watched Swamp Thing. Then The Man That Wasn't There. Then I got into my Western kick with Power of the Dog on Netflix, Ooh. which is very good. And The Harder They Fall, which is a... Um, uh, it's another Western, but it's starring like predominantly all black actors Mm -hmm. and only like a couple of white actors uh it is based on like real like western legend uh people from real life it was a really cool little movie and then uh event horizon which was terrifying had you ever seen it before (laughs) i had never seen it oh that one's that's a that's a heavy hitter that's a trip man and every time I see Sam Neill in something, I'm like, this guy fucking rules. I went to bed the night I watched it. As an adult, mind you, telling myself, there's no such thing as Sam Neill. There's no such thing <laughs> as Sam Neill. <laughs> Very good. But we're here to talk about one of the movies in the middle there. The man who wasn't there. The movie that was there. Yes. This is the Coen Brothers film from 2001. Yes. Shot all in black and white. Denny, can you summarize the man who wasn't there? I'll give you a second shot at a quick summary. I never... I'm, I'm a very verbose person. You know this. What? Um, <laughs> uh, give me a... In the spirit of the Coen brothers, you can just say, shut the fuck up, Denny, as though I were Donnie in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> I if like I'm it. talking too much. Um, so the man who wasn't there is... Uh, a career performance from Billy Bob Thornton. It is a uh, somewhere between a noir tribute and a noir parody, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and uh, basically Billy Bob Thornton plays a Crane. Ed Crane is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ed Crane is a very quiet man who has pretty much taken the path of least resistance throughout his entire life. This has led him to becoming a barber at his uh, brother-in-law's barber shop. Um, he doesn't hate it, but also is pathologically bored and unfulfilled. Um, one day, a grifter comes in and just mentions in passing that he wants to start a dry cleaning business, and he thinks it'll make a lot of money. Billy Bob Thornton randomly for one time ever in his life uh, does something out of the ordinary and decides to blackmail a a department store uh, owner in namesake only um, who he believes is having an affair with his wife um, he uh, to, to get the money to start the dry cleaning business um, and boy does shit get out of hand after that mm-hmm. <laughs> basically um the whole movie is just this like constant escalation after escalation after escalation of people misinterpreting events um and never ever tying anything back to him um <laughs> and um oh my foot fell asleep i had to move it um basically the the dude he blackmailed um finds uh finds the guy who he thought did the blackmailing beats the fuck out of him 
turns out it's the same guy who was the grifter um, that Ed Crane met um, and paid $10,000 to <laughs> to start a dry cleaning <laughs> business. Um, and he beats the shit out of him until he tells him that Ed Crane's the one who did the blackmailing. He starts strangling Ed Crane. Ed Crane stabs him and walks home and just goes on with his life and just lets it all play out. Um, basically, the police think that his wife murdered <laughs> the department store owner, take her to jail. Um, long story short, he's just trying to ride this out and see if it goes away. Um, and uh, we spend a lot of time on his wife's defense and how she's going to escape trial. Um or escape conviction, excuse me, not trial. You don't want to escape trial. If you've been charged, you want mm -hmm. to go to trial. <laughs> and uh, then right before the trial, they, they think that she's got a chance at winning. They think they've got a defense and she hangs herself in jail. Um, he pretty much goes on with his life. Um, things start falling apart all around him. And he's just... Just... Uh, playing his cards like he always plays them feeling very unfulfilled um scarlett johansson enters the scene um and she's a very talented piano player ed crane as uh, as an effort to kind of make good on the life he wasted and squandered wants to help her have a career as a pianist because he believes she's really something special he takes her to see like an expert teacher the teacher says she sucks um and won't teach her and scarlett johansson's like it's cool man i honestly really didn't want to do this at all um i was kind of here as a favor to you i i don't know i might be a housewife or maybe a vet i'm 17 i haven't really thought about it much but this is very mm -hmm. nice of you um and then she just tries to suck his dick <laughs> it's very out of nowhere um and uh in resisting he crashes the car you assume they're both dead but they're both fine um and then when he wakes up in the hospital uh they're like hey by the way we're arresting you because uh we found we found a, a little kid was swimming in a lake and found uh this dead guy in a car and he had a bunch of papers that showed you gave him ten thousand dollars to start a dry cleaning business and uh Gosh, it got kind of confusing, but basically they still don't pin him for his actual crimes. They still misunderstand yeah. it all. Um, and, uh, and uh, but he still gets the death sentence. Um, and then we find out that him doing the, the classic noir voiceover for this whole movie was him uh, writing his life story for a men's magazine uh, right before he was given the electric chair. And uh, then they give him the electric chair. And my God, is it a fucking beautiful movie. Yeah. Gorgeous film. Yes. Uh, to to kind of clear up the ending there, basically, he kills the department store owner and the police pin his wife for it. Uh, but the department store owner had killed the grifter that had conned the $10,000 blackmail. And they pinned Billy Bob Thornton's Ed Crane for that. So they nail him for murder just for the wrong guy. And it feels like at the end, you know, when he's kind of going to the electric chair, it feels like he's come to terms like, well, punishment fits the crime. 
maybe I was innocent for this, but I'm still a guilty man. Mm -hmm. This is just the path of life. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting character, man. Ed Crane is one of the, I would say, I wouldn't say flat, but he's one of the more indecipherable Coen brothers, like, main protagonists oh absolutely you know? um i just thought in the interest in, of in the interest of brevity i thought of uh, a much more concise summarization because i'm sure that was very confusing and convoluted to anyone trying to follow along um the man who wasn't there is an art house episode of nathan for you okay <laughs> the way it just keeps escalating and getting more and more out of hand <laughs> yep 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 um, Greg, what's your relationship with the man who wasn't there? Uh, I don't think I had heard of this one. Yeah, honestly, um, when you when you put it on the audience poll, thank you for voting, everybody. Yay. This is the one you picked. We liked it. I hope you like it too. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I guess they, I guess they did do this one. I I hadn't heard of it, and I don't think I've I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's actually seen it before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, first time watch. What about you? Yeah. Um. First time watch. Um, I think I'd heard of it because I think sometimes when when I'm in the mood for Coen Brothers, I'll just go on their filmography and be like, what have I not seen that they made? Um, and I never picked this one. And I think that's because I didn't understand what it was because I fucking love film noir. It's something we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast, but it's one of my mm -hmm. absolute favorite genres. And I fucking love the Coen Brothers. And they made a love letter to film noir. And I... I have been remiss for never choosing it. I watched Lady Killers instead of this one time for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that rules. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, I was, it's, it's definitely a movie that you, you don't understand it until you see it. Honestly, mm -hmm. like it's, it doesn't surprise me that like reading about it, you're just like, wait, what is it about? You you really got to kind of see it to understand. Yep. Um, I, I didn't take any notes because I was like, this looks like it's going to be a fucking masterpiece when I watched the trailer. And I was like, I'm just going to focus. I'm just going to watch the movie. Um, so we're just right. calling it in the ring here, brother, brother. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, you like film noir. I've got a movie pick for a future episode. Yeah. I can't wait to ruin your life with. Well, uh, damn. At least one day. Okay. I'll ruin a day of your life. Sorry, not the whole thing. All right. Why do you make me watch shit? <laughs> why, why you do that? I tell you I love something. You're like, well, let me ruin your life. Here's the worst example. Of you're it. not going to love it anymore. <laughs> um, that was... Yeah, this is this is like, what, like the 10th or 12th Coen Brothers movie I've seen? They've yeah. done a lot. Yeah. Um, they're, they just don't have a ton of misses. Like, I was on, I was on Critiker, and I was... You know, like looking through, uh, you know all the all the films that they had made and like my ratings for them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that really goes. I don't think anything goes really below a thirty. Mm -hmm. And then everything else, there's there's a forty in there. There's like a thirty-seven, a couple of thirty-sixes. Like everything I see from them is just absolutely stellar, which is which is crazy given how diverse their films are yeah they, they don't so, make the same movie twice oh yeah um and you clearly haven't seen uh lady killers if you don't have anything below 30 uh, 
No, <laughs> anyway. I have not. Um, um, not to not yeah. to be negative in a moment of positivity, though. I I, yeah. I, I love the Coen brothers. I cannot believe that they are so good at what they do and also like again like wes anderson is really good at what he does woody allen is really good at what he does making movies not the other things he does don't misinterpret that um yep, there we go <laughs> um but they they make the same movies over and over and over and i don't mind it because they're really good at it and it's not like it's a style i'm seeing all the time it's their specific thing the coen brothers God, they're just taking a world tour of every genre, man, and like mm-hmm. reinventing the genre while they do it. Um, yeah, it's it's a ton of fun, which is interesting because so many of those are original ideas. Mm-hmm. They didn't adapt a book until No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. All of their movies up until 2007 were like story by uh, Ethan Cohen. Like That's it was insane. all created by them like big lebowski and fargo this movie like everything was original idea of theirs i think you you know oh brother where art that was um from the odyssey yeah the odyssey but they wrote the odyssey that's how original they are that's that's how great they are (laughs) um but not like seriously like the big lebowski is one of my favorite movies ever and one of every film buff's favorite movies ever so i'm not unique in this you know why it's a good movie yeah it's a good fucking movie um but like there was there was a day where where i was like man i really want to watch the big lebowski but i've also watched it so many times recently um i'm gonna see if there's something like it um you know something kind of in the same vein and so mm-hmm. I Googled movies like The Big Lebowski, and the only response I got was a Reddit thread that was like, there are no other movies like The Big Lebowski. It was someone <laughs> it was someone asking the same question as me, and no one in the replies had any suggestions. They were all like, it is, they, just watch The Big Lebowski. Best I can do is Kingpin. It was like basically what they all said. <laughs> That's so awesome. Because there's bowling in it. So in that way, it is like The Big Lebowski. <laughs> um start listing other jeff bridges movies (laughs) uh true grit tron Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um anyway that's not what we're here to talk about um no we're here to talk about the man who wasn't there which i uh i was very surprised that i would say this is uh top three coen brothers movies for me no shit top really top three brother wow and i think every single movie by them except lady killers has above a 45 on critiker from me um i think i have i have this probably top six mm-hmm. honestly maybe number six and i i haven't seen their whole catalog either so i, I think you've I, seen more than me so your list it might have a little more depth to it than mine yeah uh one two three four five six yeah, I've got 11 of their movies. <laughs> um, but still, I think it's somewhere right in the middle, and none of them I would call bad mm-hmm. by any means. They're all well above average. Again, um, you clearly haven't seen Lady Killers. <laughs> again, yeah. I have it below Inside Lou and Davis and Fargo and No Country for Old Men and Big Lebowski. I, uh, I had to move No Country for Old Men up because uh i I moved it up one point because i was like "Ooh, this gets the same rating i had that at but i think i want to rewatch it to really judge 
And then uh, Lebowski is the highest rated Coen Brothers movie I have. But the, it's it's Lebowski, No Country for Old Men, and The Man Who Wasn't There. Very good. I mean, yeah, they, they got movies for everybody. Like, it's such a diverse filmography that you can't really... You're going to find something you like. It, yeah. Even, like, the similarities between them, they're simultaneously, like, just so so them but also so unique it's it's hard not to find something that you're gonna love yeah well and the the unique or the the similarity the thread that runs through every single coen brothers movie i have ever seen that i think really shows itself in this movie is they're basically taking like a big metal road sign that says life is not a fucking narrative and just smashing you over the head with it and you're just like stop <laughs> stop i want closure i want i want all the ends to tie together and they're like well you're not gonna fucking get it because life is not a movie and i've decided to tell you this message through a very cinematically stylized movie for some reason <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, but I feel like their delivery of it, while they are bashing you over the head with that sign, they're doing it while, like, sitting pretty still and just being like, there, you get it now? Yeah. You understand what's going oh, on here? All, all that goes, <laughs> I, I I, didn't mean that. I didn't mean that they're... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what I meant more was that they are relentless with it. Like, they, yeah, they make I'm, you... I'm building on yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that they're just, like, overtly, like, screaming it at you. That's not what I meant. I meant that, like... Every single time I watch it, I, I'm, like, begging them. I'm like, please don't roll credits here. Please. <laughs> please do not roll credits here. I need I need you to tie this up. And they're just always like, nope. We made mm -hmm. you want it, and we will not give it to you. And honestly, since we're talking about personal journeys, <laughs> except for Swamp Thing on this episode, <laughs> um, since we're talking about personal journeys, that is... Uh, that is a very important lesson I have learned about life. That it, as someone who socialized himself through movies while being very isolated, definitely uh, expected things to follow a narrative. I've been like, nope, life does not follow a narrative, but it is helpful to make a narrative out of it because yeah, we like we, to we... do that. We just talked about how you spent the last two weeks and how I was kind of in a similar boat. While, you know, I was still working, I do work, I would say, a majority of the time at home. And I'm socializing by watching movies. Mm -hmm. I went I went to a brewery with a friend and my fiancé um, over the weekend. That was kind of the one thing that leveled me out and kind of normalized me. Otherwise, I my whole mindset, <laughs> it's kind of hard to break. It would have just been like the movies that I watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine for you spending two weeks with your ass on the couch playing video games and watching movies, not diving further back deep into that kind of mindset of just like, oh, these are like my life. My life is a narrative yeah. and mo movies are real. Kind of, you know, weirdly enough, I didn't. And I always have, honestly, at junctures like this in my life. And it was actually really just really affirming and you know like giving myself a little barry horowitz pat on the back that's a 
deep cut jobber rest reference greg you just learned what jobbers are barry horowitz yeah. is uh, one of the most famous ones ever um he, he he won a match finally and then he walked around literally patting himself on the back for it um <laughs> and uh fuck yes that rules he, he rules <laughs> he he's uh, a, a rare um jewish professional wrestler who comes to the ring to uh hava nagela hava um so um long walk for a short drink of water um i really like i was telling vanessa yesterday i was like other than being sick i've actually been in a really good mood like i've just been in a i've been in a very peaceful place like i've been i've been very satisfied and content with my life and um really proud of myself for the work i've done honestly and the growth i've experienced and uh yeah. Honestly, man, I just watched a whole lot of Whose Line It Is, is It Anyways because I didn't need to make a thing out of it. You know, like I just, yeah, I would just had as much fun as I could while feeling physically miserable and just waited it out knowing that, uh, you know, bad times don't last, but bad asses do. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Oh, that's that's a great cap to that. Thanks. Man. I uh, stole we, it from Scott Hall. <laughs> we've we've barely talked about the movie here, bud. Man, I, I think it's because <laughs> I, I, I'm aware of this. Um, yeah. And I, I'm trying to think of ways to bring it back around. Um, but I'm also just like, uh, this is kind of one of those movies where I don't even know how to describe it. I'm like, I certainly don't have any critiques. And the, the things that I have to say about the movie are really, they're not things that I found particularly profound about the movie, but profound things that the movie spoke into my life, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so that's mm -hmm. kind of why I'm going down this thread. But I mean, like, I'm like, hey, we could talk about how they did the most fantastic fucking film noir photography in every single shot of this movie. Goddamn. Like, you know why? Because they like light coming through window blinds. No, uh, it's a uh, well, they do. Because of a uh, young man named Roger Deakins. Who's that? And if you've if you've seen a movie in the last fifteen years and you said, "Man, this is shot really fucking well," Roger Deakins, baby, okay. cinematographer, finally won his Oscar. Did the cinematography, I believe, for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Checks out. Uh, this movie, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, I think No Country for Old Men as well. Uh, he's done cinematography for the Coen Brothers and Danny Villeneuve. And uh, I think Skyfall was another one of his. 1917. He, he's, he's done immense work. And... It, oh, man. I'm, Director... What? I'm laughing not at anything you said, but because when you said he did cinematography for Denis... I perked up and I was like, he didn't do any work for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I legitimately was like, yeah. it's like. He did a James Bond movie and then a Fright yeah. 90 film. Yeah. Was... <laughs> Greg, Sam G. Swinson does all of my cinematography. No respect to Sam, but yeah, I think you guys he's wanted. He's fantastic at it. Yeah, Deacon's, yeah. Deacon's uh, kind of big league does what we emailed him. <laughs> but don't worry, Sam. Sam is kind of what we call the Deacons of Dallas. Ah, Dallas Deacons. Hmm. <laughs> Not to be confused with the with uh, the clergy Dallas. organization of <laughs> North Texas. Say, Dallas Aikens, the uh, NHL head coach. But yeah, <laughs> like he did. Oh man, I I could read his uh, 
dp credits but it would it would take forever prolific cinematographer and i think he contributed to your enjoyment of the visuals of this movie yeah clearly yeah (laughs) i think he contributed quite a bit to that (laughs) um yes most definitely i've got something to say that i love about the story structure yeah um spoilers if you haven't seen the big lebowski um you know what have a whiplash warning we're not even covering this movie we're not even covering lebowski um but whiplash warning for lebowski turn off the podcast and go watch it um and then and then watch this movie um watch the man who wasn't there um because structurally i think they're almost the same movie um yeah because this is something that i really loved about the big lebowski this is like a big Lebowski episode, but basically, um, the story, the story, like as they leave their known world, which is just hanging out, bowling and taking it easy and mm-hmm. get involved in this special world of this like high level conspiracy with all these stakes. Um, the, the, they don't return to their known world. Their journey doesn't end when that story resolves the story yeah. ends when they say fuck this i'm tired of this like what what they learned is that they, they killed my fucking car <laughs> yeah what they learned is that they should have left well enough alone because they had a good thing going and it's like this awesome coen brothers thing where like what they learned from the journey is that they shouldn't have gone on the journey <laughs> like they, they Dude, i love that they, yeah. they should have just like kept chilling now donnie's dead you know like they lost their best friend all because yeah. they just like couldn't fucking let it go that they peed on his rug you know like and just had to run it all the way up the chain and um so this movie uh what i really really loved about it was basically that um that ed crane um he he shouldn't have gone on this adventure um, yeah. he, he, like, it's this weird thing where like, I, I want you, you texted me and said like, this episode could also be called movies that I liked more, the more I thought about them. Um, even swamp thing, baby. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, so I like swamp thing now more than I ever did after we just talked about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at swamp thing merch online in between segments on the podcast. <laughs> um, but, oh, um, no, so, uh, like as Vanessa and I were talking about it, um, our discussion started with um, how this was a story about like this this kind of piece of shit guy who just didn't participate in life, just didn't participate, yeah. just took yeah. just took the path of least resistance, and it's implied that that's a bad thing, that it was a bad thing yeah. for. It's just implied in just like our you know our cultural mythos that you shouldn't just do the easiest thing and just coast by you should seize the day like that's that's very ingrained in us um narratives we've been hearing but sorry go ahead yeah just like real quick it 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 makes so much sense comparing this with the big lebowski too it's just like the main characters approach they take the plunge into the new into the weird for them Hmm. and they still approach every situation that that leads to with their original mindset uh lebowski just approaches everything like a slacker Mm -hmm. and doesn't rise to the occasion at all and the same can be said for ed crane where he just approaches it like well maybe if i let's just get the fucking lawyer we'll just take the easy way out here yeah and 
yeah oh that's so good yeah yeah continue but so basically like as we were talking about it more we were like holy shit the message of this movie was that he absolutely should have stayed with the path of least resistance yeah even even to the point of uh the worst thing that happened to him in the whole movie was the only time when he actively resisted something and it was when um scarlett johansson started trying to perform the sex act known as fellatio on him while he was driving and, okay dad and she was very <laughs> insistent um sorry i didn't want to say scarlett johansson just tried to suck his dick because i respect scarlett johansson um, did earlier though uh, that was in a, anyways synopsis don't count I, I i go into a special place when i do a synopsis um <laughs> but um i don't respect anything while i'm synopsizing <laughs> this is true um but um so that's the one time in the movie where he's like no stop and she's like no 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 no! i want to i want to and he's like i don't want you to i don't care if you want to stop and then he crashes his car and that's his last moment as a free man was when he was resisting instead of taking the path of least resistance mm -hmm. and so like in a weird fucked up way and this is not a message i personally believe in but i do think it was like a theme of the movie that they're kind of like you know what if he wanted to not get the electric chair he should have let a 17 year old perform oral sex on him um <laughs> which is just like such a like such a a brilliant um a brilliant twist on just like morality like we all know that's wrong we're all watching it and knowing that like he is an adult family friend um and honestly like the way he seems to have like an emotional connection to her the whole movie i'm expecting him to make a real creepy move on her and that never yeah. happens and then he actually has some like fucking moral fiber in his like stop it like this is wrong you can't do this and because mm. he did the right thing like the one time in the entire movie he actually did the right thing he got the electric chair for it whereas the rest of the movie he is doing <laughs> the morally wrong thing and he just can't stop it from paying off like he keeps doing the most fucked up thing he could do in these situations and he's just like begging for consequences and cannot receive them like the world yeah. refuses to give him consequences <laughs> like it's unbelievable <laughs> like he even says at one point he confesses and he goes i killed her or i killed him to the lawyer and i yeah. like had this like oh shit this movie just took a 180 out of nowhere and then yeah. like i and there's silence for a minute and my stomach hits my asshole you know like i'm just like whoa 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 okay okay we're doing this um and then the lawyer's like oh, don't try to cover up from her for her no one's gonna believe that jealous husband bullshit and just goes right mm -hmm. on like he confesses to the murder um and no one buys it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just it's like like this like comedy of fates man like the fucking comedy and tragedy of fates yeah oh my god i'm i'm liking this movie more the more you're talking about it and yeah like i said or like you mentioned that i said is movies that get better the more you think about them yeah. and the more you talk about them or listen to podcasts about them yeah that's for you guys um 
I feel like we have such different approaches to like why we liked this movie because I just want to go off for like 15 minutes and just talk about all the this just I don't know what to call it symphony of minor characters yes it just like an absolute beautiful ah everyone is just so creatively made everyone is so perfectly written i'm completely diverting from denny's whole thesis of the film here to talk about what i loved yeah in please. everything denny's everything denny said i'm on board be with. my guest yeah i i love everything denny had to say um i feel the same way and it's a, such an interesting way to tell tell the story i found my focus not lying really on the main character here mm -hmm. a lot of my notes are saying john polito is a cornerstone of a great coen brothers noir film he was also in the big lebowski mm -hmm. um he's the grifter guy yes uh, that just short dude just, who's, who's he in lebowski oh he's the uh he's the he's private eye like, I, Right? Yeah, he's in there for like five minutes. Holy shit, just, I didn't even realize that. He steals a scene, just endless charisma. He's tailing Lebowski, right? And thinks he's like yeah, playing exactly. both sides like a genius. And he's uh, and he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I always come out on top. And then uh, like all my notes are just John Polito's awesome. Frank, his brother-in-law who owns the barbershop, oh riding God. a pig. I loved that scene. He was so James good. Gandolfini. Ooh. Tony fucking Soprano's Ooh. in this movie. And he is the perfect pick for it. Um, and we've also got like people like Brian Haley, Richard Jenkins coming out Richard of nowhere. Like Jenkins. Oh, most 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 believable drunk performance I have ever ever seen. I have never seen someone so accurately portray drunkenness. Um my note was surprise Richard Jenkins, he plays drunk like nobody I've ever seen. Yeah. That was the note I had, yeah. so I'm glad we, we landed there. Uh, all my love to Leslie Mann. I think she's also another great quotes, drunk actress, mm -hmm. acting, someone that acts like they're drunk. He plays it extremely well. And it's just like... Fuck it. I'll, just, I'll get into the gimmick right now. Favorite directorial tell? Larger than life, minor characters. Mm -hmm. Um... One of my other favorite things about Coen Brother films is they're always like, they do like a joke that's basically just like a, a minor character, like repeating a line again and again. Or even like in O Brother or Art Thou, where Clooney keeps saying, damn, we're in a tight spot. And just like lines that get repeated through the film. I feel like that's kind of their sense of humor. Mm -hmm. But like at the core of what makes their movies so good. Uh, even like the more the the more dramatic ones, minor characters that just give such microcosms of personality and life into their film, and this is, movie is such a great example of it. The piano teacher you mentioned, when he's saying like, when he's talking to Billy Bob Thornton and saying like, she's good at piano, but she doesn't have the heart and soul for it. And he is just such this vibrant, wild character. He's moving all over the set, and the camera is just following him left to right, left to right. He's walking, he's sitting, he's standing, he's smoking, and it's just moving with him. And then Richard Jenkins is just sitting in a rocking chair on the patio, 
later on and just acting drunk and just being a bump on a log. Yeah. And then we get these two cops that <laughs> hate their job. <laughs> hate their detail. Oh my god. Yeah, they sent us to tell you. Sorry. Yeah, like Listen, man, they sent us to tell you. <laughs> this is a crap this is a crap detail. <laughs> Listen, we came to tell you your wife's been arrested for murder. And then they come back thirty minutes later like Hey, you awake over there? You're under arrest for murder. Does he understand us? Oh, this is such a crap detail. <laughs> like, just, just these minor characters that they just cast so well. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just a tapestry of, like, ridiculous characters. And they're all playing against um, Ed Crane, who is kind of this almost expressionless, go-with-the-flow, quiet character who's the majority of his lines are inner monologue that the audience hears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. So good. And, and while, while we're on performances, um, dude, Francis motherfucking McDormand. Um, Can't believe we haven't mentioned her yet. So, and, and, and I'll, and I'll tell you why we haven't, Greg, I'll tell you exactly mm-hmm. why we haven't because first of all, Francis McDormand is one of my favorite actors and she's like, to me, she's Willem Dafoe levels of recognizable actors, you know, like, yeah. and so Joel like, Cohen's wife. Wait, really? Yeah, Joel Cohen's wife. I never been married since uh, 1984. I never knew that. I figured it out very recently. Wow, that is quite interesting. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so first of all, she's very outside her typical roles even if if you can say she has a typical role i don't know but because she's very Mm -hmm. versatile but this is why we haven't mentioned her yet so for like the first 10 to 20 minutes of the movie i kept looking over to vanessa every time she did a scene and just smiling and being like francis fucking mcdormand like how good is francis mcdormand um but we talk a lot on this podcast about like you can tell it was a great performance when you think of the character and not the actor. And you can tell it's a fantastic performance when that actor is very, very recognizable and you still think of the character. Mm. By the end of the movie, I had completely stopped thinking about the fact that she was Frances McDormand. And when I was looking at the cast list, I was like, oh, that's right. She was a fantastic principal character, but she she immersed me in the character. She, I think that's why mm. she didn't... Because, like, for you know james gandolfini were like and james gandolfini did great james gandolfini things in this movie but like the whole time he's in it he's giving a badass awesome performance that is in no way coasting on his type right like um yeah and but you're still just constantly aware it's james gandolfini francis francis fucking mcdormand um her middle name is fucking as far as i'm concerned at this point um might as well be she just completely became the role and i just completely uh you know i could say the same for billy bob thornton who honestly before this movie i never understood why people uh like thought he was like fantastic i thought he was fine um i you should you should see him in the first season of the fargo tv show he's really good in that too i would watch that um because Honestly, I've mostly seen him in stuff like Bad Santa. <laughs> so I'm, I'm uh, part of part of me not understanding the hype is me not educating myself on his work. But yeah. dude, bad news bears. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, like, I've been 
I've been calling him Ed Crane, not Billy Bob Thornton in this discussion, mm-hmm. right? Like, God damn, what a career performance from the man. Oh, I loved this movie. I loved it, Greg. I loved I like it. it, man. That makes me happy. It's like, uh, I feel like that's the mantra of the uh, the podcast itself is when Abed from Community says, I like liking things. Yes. It's so much fun to like things, yes. and this is a very easy thing to like and enjoy. Yeah. Vanessa, Great times. Vanessa thought it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> she was also I, I, really exhausted and not in the mood for it. She she viewed it like I viewed Dune. She had an appreciation for it and knew it was fantastic, and but was also like, dude, we watched it at 8 o'clock after she got home from a late shift at work, and she was just like, I am not feeling this kind of slow dialogue driven movie um yeah (laughs) yep 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 yep. totally totally understandable um man i'm feeling i'm feeling like we can uh give it the old go home here what do you think you got anything else yeah fine with me um one last note there is a this movie is so rich with story and character and things you can derive from it we didn't even mention the plot involving aliens. Oh my god, was... I forgot about that! Yes, <laughs> I fucking did. forgot about that till right now! <laughs> you know why? Because at the end, it didn't even matter. Yes. Um, the aliens were real in this universe. Some The the wife of the murderer, James Gandolfini, approached Ed Crane and said, I think it was aliens. One oh time when we were God. out in New Mexico, that scene we saw was amazing. That scene was, was so, so fucking good. She killed it. And another another minor character that absolutely kills it in a Coen Brothers. And she film, gave a who, chilling, chilling performance, man. And then at the end, Billy Bob Thornton is facing the electric chair. He sees a bright light. All the doors are open in the prison. He walks outside and is greeted by the bright light of a flying saucer. And he looks at it, stares into the middle distance, nods his head, and goes back into prison. Yep. And then gets the electric chair. It didn't matter. Yeah, doesn't even put it in his it. life memoir. Um, and that's it's just very true, you know, like it's it's the matrix dilemma of that I that I'm like, who cares, right? Like yeah. it's if if you show me a way out of the matrix, now I have something to think about. But unless unless I know a way out, I probably just going to keep doing what I do. Like it's kind of a non-issue. Same with like, dude, I hope aliens are real. God, I hope so. I want to believe in them. I want to believe we've been contacted and maybe we have. But then you like look at it and you're like, "Well, no, nah, there's nothing on my phone." What? There's nothing on my phone. I don't understand what you're saying. They're not. They're not trying to contact anybody. Oh, I don't. I didn't get a text. Yeah, the aliens. We used to text like every day, but we've kind of drifted apart, and it's it makes me sad. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like, okay, aliens are real. Can you interact with them? No. So what difference does it really make? You're probably just yeah. gonna like keep doing what you would have done if aliens weren't real. So exactly. like, what's he gonna do? Like learn their language, their culture, their technology? Like yeah. nah, I'm just gonna go die. Yeah. <laughs> but this sure was a neat thing to learn right at the end of my life, huh? Right? Yeah, like that's cool. Yeah. I feel like this is just for me. Yeah. That's nice. Anyways. Uh so I, I I already divulged my favorite directorial tell yeah. with the just litany of incredible uh colorful 
minor characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny, what is your favorite directorial t- directorial tell from the man who wasn't there? I have I have a runner up and a winner. Um, okay. And the winner is going to spoil Fargo. So uh, you could, if you haven't seen Fargo, skip ahead like three minutes, and you'll hear us uh, telling you when we're going to spoil Fargo again. Years. <laughs> we're going to yeah. tell you when we're going to spoil it again. So it's been a quarter that's, of a century. That's a you little, should have seen it. That's a little tease. Um, but uh, no, my my runner up is a. Uh, 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 <laughs> A seemingly endless supply of friendly, loud-mouthed, suspicious businessmen, to the point that yes. I, um, I half expected John Goodman's character from Barton Fink to just stroll in and do a bit scene um, <laughs> <laughs> for a minute. Um, that's it's a very Coen Brothers thing, kind of kind of on the same note as yours, but a little more specific. Um, mm-hmm. My winner that spoils Fargo is uh, how incredibly low stakes this movie is well sorry how incredibly low stakes this movie begins okay a man doesn't like Mm -hmm. being a man doesn't like being a barber so he decides he would like to get into the dry cleaning business instead that is the premise for your noir thriller (laughs) a barber is considering a career change into being a dry cleaner Eat your fucking heart out, Alfred Hitchcock and Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) Strangers on a train? Fuck off with that shit. They got this whole fucking story out of a goddamn guy who wanted to be a dry cleaner. Um, And that desire uh, leads to murder and betrayal and death sentences and alien contact. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh... I was just very reminded at the end of it of uh, Francis McDormand at the end of Fargo. Just like after we've watched this insane story um, in Fargo with Dude, people yeah. going in and out of wood chippers, um, you hear her just kind of like, and we don't really have any sort of closure on it. Surprise, surprise. And what they leave you with is her just going all that for a little bit of money. Like, that's why they made the movie to be like, can you believe the shit people do for mm-hmm. like just a little bit of money? <laughs> And for what? Wild. A little bit of money. Wild. Um, And so I was just, I was very aware of the Coen brothers at the end of this movie when he's like seeing aliens and getting electrocuted. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this is all because he wanted to be a dry cleaner. He he thought he'd make more money as a dry cleaner than than as a barber. And that's why he did all of this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A little life change. (laughs) That's my favorite directorial tell is just people doing insane things for like honestly at the end of the day when you consider the consequences an extremely negligible amount of monetary gain Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah what is your what is your favorite line um my runner-up is from the lawyer that we mentioned but maybe didn't talk about enough Mm -hmm. um terrific character terrific performance uh where he says i litigate I don't capitulate. Oh, that was almost mine. That's my runner-up. <laughs> oh, that was my runner-up, too. So God, fucking great. But my favorite line was actually towards the beginning from James Gandolfini. He kind of tells a joke from his time in the army where uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember how he set it up, but he oh basically says that, like, 
one of the soldiers like fucked around too much and found out yeah <laughs> it definitely doesn't say that yeah um but like he they chopped him up and made him into food because they were running out of food and then every time he had a uh, his wife made a bad meal he always says the same joke in honor of that soldier arnie bragg again because yeah. <laughs> they're eating arnie bragg the yep. guy that they had to eat yep and then we found out that was a big lie anyway so that's right watch the movie yep. guys uh what about your favorite lines i already spoiled your runner-up yeah um i already spoiled my winner i already talked about why but it's i killed him uh i won't i if you mm. really want to know and don't feel like you got the message just rewind a little bit and you'll hear me talking about why that's my favorite line in the movie Be kind. <laughs> so um what's your critic or score um like i said this is maybe my my fifth or sixth best um coen brothers i gave this one a 35 out of 40 high marks high marks indeed yeah it's it's like middle of the pack for coen brothers but it's still like so high above <laughs> so many other movies yeah. it's crazy yeah um i gave it uh so this is uh this is a preliminary rating greg a preliminary mm. rating mm. i gave it a 47 out of 50 Okay. Um, and because of that, I bumped up No Country for Old Men to a 48 out of 50. But I will very say good. this. I will say this. I am very open to switching them. And I need to watch No Country for Old Men again. Um, to really... I, I didn't... I didn't appreciate the Coen brothers when I saw it with you the first time. And I still thought it was like fucking stupid good. You know? So, but yeah. I was, I didn't even know it was a Coen brothers movie. Like I remember halfway through it. I told you, uh, man, if this, like Tommy Lee Jones is going on this, like meandering monologue about like life. And I was like, dude, if the Coen brothers directed this, they would just end the movie right now. And you just kind of laughed. And then like they, at the end of the movie, it showed who directed. It. I was like, no fucking way. And you were like, you didn't know that. <laughs> oh man tommy lee jones's monologue at the end of no country for old men is some of the oh my god we'll talk about it later that's another uh, that's a future episode okay but anyway yeah. i know you watch it once annually and i was uh i gotta figure out which one's which one's better and uh i would like to watch it with you because i don't want to watch it with anyone else yes please uh yeah no country for old men another uh roger deacon's project along with the movie we just talked about and the big lebowski and fargo and also shawshank redemption wow yeah damn that's right and sicario and prisoners all right settle uh, down and like topic. make jurassic world 3 or something it's just not fair at a certain point just <laughs> you gotta you're making everyone else <laughs> impossible mountains to climb to match your success deacon's is eating good is all i'm saying yeah. um yeah, that's it. Uh, Denny, what is the best movie for when you want to see a director's lesser-known work? I'm going to go with the audience pick of The Man Who Wasn't There. Um, I gave it the same rating as, uh, however you say that French one we watched. Yeah, French-Canadian, baby. I gave it the same rating, but uh, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There is way, 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 infinitely more my type of thing. So I'm picking that one. That's very fair. Um opposite <laughs> swamp thing is the uh no i'm just kidding uh, dude on sunday is it's director's lesser known work because 
this is it, you just watch the trajectory of Villano's career and this seems like when themes start really picking up um i would say that that's my winner because there's a reason it's his lesser known work and if you like it's like when you discover like your favorite artist you know like you really get into a musical artist and then you realize like man they had an album that came out like a while back and it's there's just their fingerprints all over it and you can see like this is kind of the foundation of filmmaking for what they did that you love in the future so i would give it to on sunday for that cohen brothers had already created like massive hits just pure classics like a few of them already before this point yeah. so i got to give it to this one because it feels more foundational for um establishing this director's career that is only getting more prolific as time goes on yeah you can say that again boy is it that's that's my that's my catchphrase there you go there it is oh man greg mm. Mm. speaking of making some absolute blockbusters and then building your career off them next week we're doing a sequel next week we're doing a sequel a sequel actually we're going back in time for one of these uh next week the foundation that this podcast was built on episode two movies for when you're having a hashtag hot boy summer we're getting the sequel baby next week is movies for when you're having a hashtag cold boy winter hell yeah tis the season movies about winter hell open yeah. for interpretation <laughs> we we got there our own way um denny what is your pick for next week i think we already have all the picks lined up vanessa i don't know why she just texted me alvin and the chipmunks the squeakquel um <laughs> that's not about winter sorry vanessa <laughs> i think it's just because she she can't hear you but she heard me loudly saying sequel uh, so you know what's what? that squeakquel fuck it next week we're doing a squeakquel and uh david martinez if you listen to this you said every time anyone mentioned yes i did say sequel vanessa she just texted me um anytime someone <laughs> used to say uh sequel he'd be like and sometimes people make a squeakquel <laughs> just, oh my god but yeah we're doing a squeakquel next week um we so we don't have an audience pick because greg and i picked the same movie and decided to Oops. make it our third pick a consensus pick and it is out cold <laughs> 2001 right. classic out cold <laughs> uh a movie that i honestly haven't even seen before but as soon as we landed on tiles like out cold is this kind of movie oh, right greg. and then i you texted me i was like i was i was gonna pick that greg there was like a three or four year stretch of my middle school life when out cold was my favorite movie well we'll get into it next episode yeah i don't want to um, overhype it because i showed it to vanessa and let's just say it's not my favorite movie anymore <laughs> okay <laughs> but i cannot wait i will always have um, a sentimental attachment to it so our consensus pick is out cold your pick is the hateful eight correct yes and it is uh the only quentin tarantino movie i have yet to see you haven't seen it yet? i've never seen it 
I don't okay. like westerns that much, but I'm kind of getting a wild hair for them. You know what? A I might wild, even wild hair for yeah. them. <laughs> I uh... might I might even do fucking Ballad of Buster Scruggs since we're on a Coen Brothers kick right now. And speaking yeah. of Coen Brothers kicks, I have teed you up. Damn, great job! This is a layup for old Greg. Uh, Coen Brothers winter movie referenced in the show many times already fargo fargo i oh. botched that we're gonna watch fargo we're gonna watch fargo okay uh we'll do as as few accents as we can hold on i'll make you uh, an egg hello uh no promises though um as you can see it's already taking off so we're going to do out cold fargo and hateful eight for when you're having a hashtag cold boy winter can't wait to see you there guys um this is a bit of a long episode wouldn't you say yeah i honestly thought it was going to be like our shortest one ever because i'm sick and took like no notes to distract myself with and drag it out but uh oopsies hot damn did we find a way to do it <laughs> that's right <laughs> my brothers were like oh yeah your podcast that's so cool that you're making one i was like do you guys listen to it and they're like aren't most of the episodes like three hours and i was like yeah and they're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well shit okay well they're not in our I, target demographic i, I can't even I, I would never ask anyone to listen to this out of loyalty to me or obligation if you happen to think that this is worth two and a half hours to three hours of your time, um, do it for yourself. Don't do it to make us happy. We already made That's ourselves right. happy recording it. <laughs> do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, Denny, you know what would make me happy? What? Give me one of your lesser known catchphrases. One of my lesser known catchphrases? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh-oh. Oh fuck, I spilled my drink. Only Vanessa knows that one. I say it all the time. Um <laughs> I spill a lot of things. I'm a big clumsy idiot. For Greg work, the leg work Johnson. I'm Denny. Ah oh, fuck, I spilled my drink, Taylor. Saying this has been Movies for When? It took us two weeks. But we finally told you when. Swamp thing. You make my heart green. You make everything. Oozy.